What's happening, weirdos? This and every episode of the Wednesday show is brought to us by our friends at Charlotte's Web. Go to cwhemp.com, get yourself some calm hemp gummies, get 10% off with Keep It Crispy 19 promo code at checkout. Guys, this is uh, exciting for me. This is my last. I'm out of quarantine, actually. I'm, I'm now just back on the regular. For those of you that have been listening, I, I, I've been uh, alone for two weeks. <laughs> I went on a walk today in uh, the fresh air, and it, it, was, uh, it did not disappoint. There's so many things I don't think I'll take for granted, at least for a long while after this. So it's wonderful to be out. It's wonderful to be with you again. And it's wonderful to be with Justin Long, who is incredible. I'm sure you know. I've known Justin. Uh, we keep running into each other over the past, it feels like 10 years. I keep running into him and every time is a delight. And this conversation is no exception. I do want to say there are a couple technical difficulties on, on the Wi-Fi's end. So you might hear a few glitches. We, uh, Katie, the wonderful Katie, uh, did her best, um, which means the best anyone could do, taking them all out. But you might hear a glitch or two, just so you know. It's not your connection. It was ours. Uh, this episode is brought to us by our friends at Foria. Did you know that according to research, men have 20 to 50% more orgasms as heterosexual women in partnered sexual encounters? 75% of women still experience painful sex at some point, and 80% Still experience painful menstrual cramps. It doesn't have to be this way. Enter Foria, our newest Pete's pick. With all the talk about embodiment and healthy sexuality, I'm happy for them to join our team. They are on a mission to close the pleasure gap. Foria was the first brand to create a comprehensive product line addressing the sexual and pleasure needs of women with CBD-enriched arousal oil, lubricant, and suppositories to help alleviate women's issues related to painful sex menstrual cramps, and even postmenopausal issues. Better, easier, more wonderful orgasms, less pain. This is a good place. 100% plant-based and organic with zero fragrances, additives, or synthetics. No chemicals in or on you. This is not some anonymous cinnamon-flavored lube you buy at a truck stop uh, sex shop. This is the best, best organic natural stuff on the market. Val and I first tried them. We got uh, some of the Awaken Arousal Oil after we did Nikki Glaser's show, Not Safe. We tried it, and it was an absolute uh, game changer. Uh, these are plant allies here to help awaken and enrich your life. I think uh, if you are looking to take female pleasure to the next level, uh, that feeling of closeness and connection during sex, enhance arousal and access to orgasm, making great sex even better, Ease discomfort, supportive for soothing pain during sex, which unfortunately is so common. It's the best stuff we found. Absolutely a wonderful way, as I always say, to use our plant allies. Get something natural in your bedroom routine that's going to bring you into your body, bring you into the moment, and uh, just take it to the next level. Foria is offering a very special offer for the weirdos. Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash weird. That's F-O-R-I-A, foriawellness.com slash weird for 20% off your order. As I always say, it's the best way to show your support of the show. So many people reach out uh, wanting to express their gratitude. That's the best way. Do yourself a favor, get some Foria, and in the process, support this always free podcast. That's it, guys. I am so excited for you to hear this chat with my friend Justin. It was awesome. I hope you enjoy it. 
as much as I did. Get into it. See, I'm excited to be in the wild again. I'm free. Uh oh. Uh oh. Somebody call the fun police because we're going to have to pull over <laughs> two real chum boys. We're talking boys you want to ground up and attract sharks with it because they're chum boys. Well, this is not the podcast I was expecting, but I like it. Uh, It's one of those weird ones. I can hear you. I can't see you, which is... uh, Oh, but good. That's... Okay, let's see. Uh, (laughs) Oh, start for you. Uh, Hey, oh, look at this. This is the setup. This is a real podcast setup. Yeah. I'm in a trailer. You have a real great mic with a spit guard. You have... Uh, egg crates on the wall. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, wait, you're in a trailer? Val and I got out of LA for a little bit. So we're up in oh, uh, cool. a little north and uh, we're basically in a trailer. And um, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm buying, um, I found this company called Boho Camper Van. They, they take uh, vans, like Dodge, you know, those Dodge stand-up vans. Yeah. And they convert them into RVs. So I'm, I just put the down payment um down. On the company. I'm getting one. Are you getting one I'm of the company, vans? Yeah, yeah. I'm buying the company now. I <laughs> thought I thought you meant you were buying the company. Oh, I was like, Justin, no. do you know? We just start recording right away. I hope this is okay. I don't know if you want to talk about your personal investment strategies <laughs> on the air. <laughs> oh well, you think I'm a much bigger uh, baller. I, I I mean, it's fun to it's fun to believe. I do. I, I think it's so fun, you know. First of all, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so happy to see you. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, we just I, we just went right into it. Wait, uh, Pete, okay. should I be recording on my end? That's up to Katie. What do you think, Katie? No harm. Okay, I all say, right. I all say right. no harm. Okay, um, it's really good to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you. I've always you. I, I want to start with a compliment, which is a very, very, very specific compliment. But when I was starting out. I booked a small part on one of the Mac ads, which I was so excited about. This was in New York. This was like, if you got an audition, it was like just such a big deal. You you remember that feeling? I know you do. Yeah. Oh, God. Huge deal. And I'm not just buttering your bread. Those commercials were like known and still are as good, funny commercials. You know what I mean? Both you and John, it was sort of like, premium stuff so to be asked to audition for a campaign that you already knew and liked and it turned out my uh you film like maybe you can speak to this you'd film like 30 of them uh-huh and then tell me what they would do i mean we'll get we'll get back to this sweet compliment well well we shot god how many a day would we do i mean I would say seven, eight a day, maybe. My, it was a lot. My memory, so by John would remember better. Did you know John before? That's I a feel good, like you guys knew each other. I think I knew him a little bit, um, maybe from doing stand-up, maybe from UCB or something. But I remember, and this is this is what brought it to mind. I wasn't like, I got to ask long about the Mac ads. I was like, this is about us yeah. and about how sweet you were, is that like, it was a super... I'm, I'm not uh, being false. It's still a big deal to talk to you. This is an exciting guest for me. But back then, I was like, this is fucking nuts. Yeah. Like, I was really, really well, juiced by it. You have all, yeah, I've always, you've always been so earnest and sweet yourself. So I, uh, I remember just thinking how easy and fun it was to, you know, Always be around. Oh. And, and, and I'm I'm recalling two moments running into you on um you know I, I call it the block uh 
the Franklin Village area by UCB. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I always, you have one of those faces that I, I always just love seeing. And, and um, <laughs> I, I look like the mascot of a of a very safe carnival. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but there's something very uh, inviting about it. I don't know if it's like um, a type of maybe, may, like a mascot. Uh, yeah, like a type of pet, like a yeah. very kind. Not I know. What you mean. I don't know what the species would be, and I don't want to say. <laughs> well, I, I just was going to greenlight you and be like, I don't think you can offend me on this topic. The last podcast we did, I referred to my mouth as Hillary Swank mouth. So uh, I, I know I know how I look, and, and Hillary Swank's a beautiful lady, but we both have specific types of mouths. But I think babies like big features, big eyes, big yeah. mouth. Big, and that might still be in play when you see my bobblehead going down to UCB and I pass you at the sidewalk restaurant there. You just there's, want to say hi. <laughs> there's a, um, yeah, there's maybe a cartoonish quality i totally. think just a little bit about dax shepherd like he has um kind well, of he, low feet not low fees a pejorative sounding word but like lumbery and uh i i can say lumbering and loafy as a lumbering loaf myself <laughs> me dax and zach braff i feel like should play brothers or cousins or something because yeah. there's a similar braff sort of starts to sexy it up a little bit more than mm-hmm. i like <laughs> Meaning he he sort of escaped the gene pool enough to dry off and start flirting with the girls by the pool. <laughs> but see, I think I, I think you've also lit, you've gotten comfortable, like you said, like you can't insult me. That's interesting. You say that you can't say anything that you would find because you've lived with your that appearance, whatever it is, however someone feels about it, long enough yeah. that you um, you are very secure. You and and I think that's another reason why I have always been drawn to you. I don't I don't get the sense of and, and you can speak to this better, but that that comedian's insecurity. I mean, it's a very Sweet. palpable thing with a lot of comedians that they they need to be on and, you know, top a joke that somebody else has said and, and keep the ball in the air. And, and there's this kind yeah. of um, it, it, it can cause a little bit of anxiety, I think, if you're... For sure. You got to get that balance just right. First of all, that's very sweet. But second of all, that sort of brings us back to what I was saying, which was um, when I was on the set... I'm broken up, aren't I? Oh, good. Okay. All right. Okay. You did, all right. Where, where did I, you lose me? I, I heard this. I saw this. Which brings me back to when I was on the set... <laughs> in about five seconds and i knew those were five key seconds i knew it was like maybe like a really nice compliment or like something yeah. even profound and i was losing it katie go ahead and leave that glitch in sometimes real is better i do want to say frozen kind mascot I want to say, I can tell you're hosting a podcast. This is already a pleasure and a delight, but you're doing that podcasty thing. Uh-huh. So go ahead and plug it. It's called. Oh, whatever. Just say it. Oh, by the way, a, a podcast Just now tell people what it's called. Just. <laughs> you know, doesn't that sound like the name of something that might now be a podcast? It's called oh, like Short. I don't like short. naming. I don't know how you felt, but I, I, we, we, the, my brother, I do it with my brother, Christian, and, and we could not come up with the title we went back and forth so long um about that and then like should it be a pun should it be is that too cutesy is that too should you well, be yeah 
I mean, the, I feel like the straightforward marketing advice, and, and let's get into this because this isn't a good idea, what I'm about to say, but uh-huh. I feel like you had to be like, do we call it going long? Uh, um, that definitely came up. I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and yeah. I was curious. Long winded. Oh, that's good. That's well, good. but the company that I do it with, Wondery, they felt that would be, and rightly so, this is why they're a smart company and I'm, uh, I'm not. They thought it would be too, too self-effacing. It was like... Well, it's disparaging. Yeah. I mean, if you know what I mean? To, if whoever didn't know me or know that my last name was Long, you know, you don't want to listen to a podcast called Long. <laughs> I thought about this because I thought it might be a key into your childhood um, and, and what it was like growing up. Obviously, my name is Holmes. That has its oh, own, like, what's, yeah. what's up, Holmes? That didn't start until... I feel like the late eighties, really late eighties, nineties. Yeah. Now everybody knows, but, but long, and I'm not trying to be funny here. Any name that rhymes with dong, you know what I'm saying? Can we, can we just talk, tell me what it was like growing up with the name? Okay. I will. Well, yeah, certainly in high school, it began schlong, JJ schlong. (laughs) And my, to this day, um, and, and of course in high school, it's like, you're insecure about it. Or at least I was. I was so insecure and, and struggling with like. Uh, now somebody calls me schlong. It's like I, I, I'd laugh at it, or I, at the very at the at worst, I'd, I'd be um, indifferent to it. You know, it's like oh, okay, schlong. It's kind of. But um, at, in high school, I remember being bothered by it. And of course. Well, yeah. schlong. Nobody wants schlong. Sounds big. I suppose if you want a big old wanger, you want a schlong. <laughs> right. Well, it also, definitely sounds unwashed. Oh, I saw a schlong. Well, it was, also, it was said by I was so sh- I was so small. I don't mean necessarily my penis, but my penis was probably small because I my whole body was small. Yeah. Um, and I was t- I hadn't gone through puberty until I, like you know senior still. It, it began senior year of high school. And, and um, so mm. I think I had real hangups about like the, the bigger, everyone was bigger than me and they would say, so everything to me took on a, a condescending tone like that, a, a, a name like Schlong. So funny. But unless it was said by somebody I liked, this is interesting. I never thought about it. Like my, this goes back to me saying you can't offend me. If you uh-huh. were, if you, it's it's not just because of who you are, uh-huh. and I mean this as a compliment. There's a one of the things that's appealing about you is there's a simpatico in the like. I don't want to. I, I can't think of a better way to, to say it than a woundedness. There's a vulnerability to you that when you, I, I, forgive me, but you're a good-looking guy. But you're a good-looking guy like forgiven. Hank. <laughs> but there's some good-looking good people that it becomes a wall because they don't have the wound. They don't have the vulnerability. John Ham has the wound. There's something in Ham's eyes that it's wow. like, you got picked on, didn't you? You know yeah. what it's like to be uh, to, to stick up for a bully, don't you? And, oh. and you? and you have that. But if you were just like a a big schlonger that was... <laughs> that was mean. You could be the same guy, right. and it would still it maybe would hurt my feelings. So you're saying uh, some people would say schlong. That's interesting, Pete. Yeah, yeah, I wonder because I. Uh, it's funny that you say that. I always brace myself a little bit whenever someone pays me a compliment, which is obviously nice to say you're a good looking to compliment m- my appearance. I I always brace myself for the um you know the qualification of it. <laughs> yes, you're you're, yeah. you're 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 comedy hot, or you're like you're, you're right. Sorry. 
Right. You're the, you're the goofy best friend. Well, you're in Hollywood. You're the goofy best friend, good looking, or you're the hacker, good looking. <laughs> right. Right. And and I, exactly. And I never, I don't think any of that, by the way. Well, I never thought of myself as this is this is going to sound vain and arrogant, but I never thought of myself as being a good looking person until <laughs> until recently. And I don't mean me now. I mean like occasionally now I'll look at old movies I was in or, or old photos, you know from something and think and have this this thought which is oh i, I was good looking yeah 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 <laughs> not no, always but God like, has a, a bit about that where he's like you look at old photos of yourself and you're like it's like your goal weight you're like oh yeah. my god i wish i looked like that if i had known i known <laughs> if i had known that that's what i looked like but you need to be you now to know i look at old photos of me and i'm like Look at his jawline, like he's he's so svelte or whatever it is. Yeah, and I yeah. know that kid thought he was softer and, and totally and, and lumbery. And oh my weird. god, Pete! Yeah, I never yeah. saw. And in a way, I'm glad I didn't see it because, and now oh I god. see it only in relation to what I I, I lack. I no longer have whether mm-hmm. it's youth or now no wrinkles on my face. Whatever it is, it's like. Um, it's not as though I have a newfound appreciation for how I look now. It's all things that I no longer have and, and wish. But I, I say I'm glad I didn't think that way then because I I don't know. I, I think people who know they're <laughs> – I don't want to generalize about attractive people, but I think people who know they're attractive and, and kind of carry themselves. Well, isn't that, that what I just said to you? I was maybe. like, the reason I think comedians love you – obviously, you are a comedic actor and performer – um, and a wonderful improviser and all these things. So I'm not excluding you. I'm just saying the weird stand-up community loves you because I think they're resonating with exactly what we're talking about. It's the same with Ham. It's the same with, a, uh, there's a lot of, there's actually not a lot of, but there's some actors that have the same frequency. Uh, and it is, I think it starts with, I have been told that I'm uh, like a leading man kind of look. Um, but I didn't know in junior high, and that's when the die was cast, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, like, yeah, for all of us, yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. We're all still wrestling with whatever we did back then, and and and, and it's interesting you mentioned the Mac commercials and how we met is because that was the first time anyone, um, ca- anyone in Hollywood anyway, cast me in that role. I mean, it, it, that was basically a leading role it's sort of how i got die hard which is more of a and he's just movies that followed which were more like leading yeah you know quote unquote lead romantic whatever roles um but prior to that i had just been you know i've been playing a lot of nerdy uh goofy parts and and parts i loved but um well galaxy quest we just i just watched it for the first time it's it's incredible and i'm like oh i hope justin must feel really glad that he's in this incredible oh and you're great in it and you're a key part of it like you could never be taken out of some weird spanish like tv edit like you're a key part of it it's funny you say that because i i remember hearing that i almost was that character was almost pretty much like totally i think excised from the movie um uh until spielberg stepped in steven harris <laughs> uh, <laughs> spielberg yeah steven spielberg saw a uh i guess he had seen a cut and and and, and i had been removed and and he said, well, I think that that character bridges the gap. I mean, like it, it, it's, it adds a human 
element that not necessarily because of my performance, but it's that character. No, that's right. Vital to, you know, it's, it's one of those notes that I almost get like a weird embarrassed feeling that, that that movie has been so praised exactly for that flock. And that is the correct term, that flock of nerds Mm -hmm. that saved the day at the end. Yeah. Um, And that the movie is about them and it's a celebration of them. And I think that's why it's been such a cult hit. So the fact that it was almost trimmed, you know, you know what it's like being in the middle of a production. You just might be making some bad choices. And that's when Steven <laughs> needs to come in. You have to say his, his, say his name like that. Oh, my God. There's no way to not be pretentious and be like, and then Spielberg. It's like, I it's not, know. Not, oh, I don't mean you were pretentious. I mean, that's why the joke is. is you bad. have to. Yeah, you got to take your foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm back. Wait, what, what, uh, my brother and I were just talking about how it's difficult to say because we we just directed this this our first movie, our first feature. It's really exciting, but um, really, in, in an email to the producers, Christian, my brother wrote uh, he referenced the movie as a film, and uh, he he immediately felt douchey. He said as soon as he he referred to it as a film instead of a movie, and it's like there's certain certain movies that are films you know like paul thomas anderson makes films but yeah. like we the movie we made we were proud of it we, we we like it we think it's good but um you know there's a lot of fart jokes in it and uh <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a movie <laughs> that's so funny i'm immediately the first thing i think is the master paul thomas anderson has a fart joke is oh. a film remember Oh, no. Joaquin Phoenix, when he's being processed by uh, uh, Phil Hoffman, farts. So don't sell your movie short. It has a great (laughs) fart joke in it. I think that's more more a compliment to Paul Thomas Anderson that he can get away with it. I think that's true. They stuff in his movies and still have them be films. Because let's be real. I know what you're talking about. It it, it can be tricky. You can't say my favorite film is Baby's Day Out. You can't. You can't. I've tried. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've tried to do it. Although now that I have a baby, Baby's Day Out is a nightmare horror movie. Oh, I bet. With three men and a baby. They give the baby to the mob and they think the mob is like a babysitting company. And uh-huh. Val and I are like, this uh-huh. is a nightmare. Turn it off. Turn it off. We didn't want no, I do and remember how it ends. Uh, that's funny. And they manhandle the baby a little bit. I mean, uh, so to speak. But they like, they don't look not supportive of the neck. And, yeah. It's like Baby Yoda. I don't know if you watched The yes. Mandalorian. Uh, get a hand behind that baby Yoda head. <laughs> None of you have been raised on a planet that has infants. They did such a good job of making that baby look realistic. Real, I know. And then they don't handle And then whenever it was practical, somebody was just running around with it, like, like holding it by the feet. What are you doing? Yeah. Get me Favreau. Get me Favreau. <laughs> Do, uh did you, but those guys must all love you because they, the Mandalorian is a good example of how they're now using, I mean, forget what Judd did for you, but like, uh, the, I f- f- feel like productions now, more mainstream things are using comedians, comedians who people are always surprised, oh, can act like Amy right. Sedaris is great. Right. In that, but I, right. You know, Bill Burr. I mean, your buddy from Crashing. Yeah, yeah. Dead, dead, dead. That's it. his laser gun goes. Dead. which is the official Bill Burr sound. I want a a fan recut where his blaster goes. Nah, I'm serious. 
which sort of you dead? Are you dead? <laughs> <laughs> I just texted him. I was like, "What should I? What should I ask Pete?" Um, I told him I was doing your podcast. Oh, sure. God. Ask him about his fucking friendly face. <laughs> ask him when the fuck he's going to let the rage out. Why don't you ask him when he's going to get real and tell me what he fucking hates, that fucking phony? That's really good. <laughs> That's really good. It got worse. The impression got worse as I tried to think of what he might be saying. Okay, well, we got to cut this out, but this is really funny. So I go, Bill, I'm doing Pete's podcast. Anything I should bring up slash your boy? He goes, talk about... <laughs> Oh my God! You, we, I'm already like we can't remove this. Well, this I kind of want to just show you and have you read it, but I'll, I'll try. Okay, to go ahead. Let's just say uh, his suggestion was the worst thing. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and it had nothing to do with me. If it was a burn on me, it would be in the podcast. But it's just talk about blah, blah, the worst things possible. Uh, talk or, about the things that you can't talk about. Right. That uh, is that he is funny only because it's so ridiculous. I mean, it's it, not ridiculous that you can't talk about it, but it's just such a horrific thing that you shouldn't talk about. Of course. Well, that actually just sort of makes this is what I'm realizing. What I'm missing in the quarantine is that not not just off uh, color or inappropriate jokes, but the frequency that comedians establish, comedians and other creative comedic performers can create which is like, you can sort of say anything. I mean, Moshe Kastrin and I would riff. He's so good on, he made me laugh so hard making fun of Lithuania's sort of lack of resistance to Hitler. I I can't even, I can't even, that's all I can, I'll just give you the category, but he's a, he's a very proud Jewish person. So it's like, if anybody's, gonna blow the whistle it would be him and he went so hard at it and it was not appropriate for anything and i just wept with laughter in that roast that no one could see yeah. of me and my lithuanian well I, i've been last night pete i went down a um a fun rabbit hole is can does rabbit hole have to be bad uh no rabbit hole is not bad oh okay all right i uh, went down a rabbit, uh, jiminy glick rabbit hole i was watching old jiminy glick interviews. that's a great great hole Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by great hole? Oh, my Jesus. <laughs> oh, my Jesus. I'm trying to remember the best one we watched because Val. Speaking of great holes, what is the greatest <laughs> hole you've ever found yourself in? <laughs> Eat holes. <laughs> Your name has a bit of a hole in it. <laughs> but uh, there was one. I, it reminded me of this because um, the Mel, watch the Mel Brooks one. At the end of the Mel Brooks one, and, and like, they're so great because all these the, the the most brilliant comedic minds like Jack Black, Steve Martin, they're they're trying not to they don't want to give in to him. You know, they don't want to like yeah. give up the the bit and and laugh. So it's so part of the fun is just watching these geniuses like try to keep it together. Because like, yes. Martin Short is so much more of I mean, he's just like in his own category. Well, I'm trying to maybe you watched it. There was one oh, when he does Ice Cube. Oh, you watch Ice Cube. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ice Cube. He keeps getting his name wrong. It's he calls so... him Ice T, I think, or he, yeah, he calls yeah, him he calls Cube. Yeah. Now, and Ice because you're so hard and cold. Is that why? Because you seem sort of warm to me. <laughs> but 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 Pete, the one with Mel Brooks, I reminded me of what you just said about Moisha. Reminded me because um, at the end of it, he gets him. He gets he he Mel Brooks loses it when he goes. Um, <laughs> he goes no. Now, now, why, why do you have such a problem with Nazis? 
What's my problem with Nazis? And he starts living with it. He cracks. Yeah, why are you so hard on them? You're always going after them. You know, uh, uh, just reminded me of like, it's even Mel Brooks. I mean, who is, has his family, the the suffering that's gone on, the the pain that has been inflicted, that's sort of why you, I think, I've been lucky enough to not suffer even remotely like that, but I think that's why you have to be able to laugh at that show. I'm going to give the, okay. I can't compare my pain to that pain. I have not, I have no direct tie to it. So let's put that aside. I'm just going to talk about pain in general. When people make fun of the pain that I've been through, I remember Kumail did my roast when I was 30 and he said, Hey Pete, your wife, your ex-wife called and everyone laughed and he went, just kidding. She's too busy with the new baby. And I, fell out of my chair and it wasn't a show laugh it wasn't like yeah. i'll i'll be a good sport yeah. it was the ah. purest and that's what's fun i think about roasts there can be I is mean, it's letting everyone in on like this is how mean. without like there's so many things we're not supposed to talk about because they're too painful and yeah. sometimes if done artfully joking about them and we're back to you saying i'm lumbering Dude, when I was in college, I have a very vivid memory. All my friends were girls. I'm just one of those girls guys. Mm-hmm. And we went to the mall. Yeah, he's, and- he's always hanging out with chicks. How is this? He's always got, yeah, he's like a gaggle of hens. How- <laughs> <laughs> the time I've hung out, the times I've hung out with Bill and we've like smoked a cigar or something. Oh, I'd love to be there. It's it's super. It's it's just like a show, to be honest. It's just like watching yeah. a show. But like, I'm sure he's going. I get the feeling this guy's a chick guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's pulling on that cigar a little bit too much, like the straw of a frappuccino. <laughs> um, <laughs> not a guy you want to watch sports with, if you know what I mean. Uh, that's exactly who I am. I'm waiting for the commercials. I can't. Well, that's why your stuff. <laughs> that's why your stuff in. Crashing with him is so good because you're you're uh, you represent two such disparate points of view. I mean, it's great to watch. I, and I like that. Uh, who who likes I, each other? I really have to give credit to Judd on that one because it was his idea to pair me with like disparate flavors, like uh, like like kind of like tough guys. I would write all these scripts for like me and Mulaney, which we eventually did, but like me and Hannibal, and he was like. No, I really want to see Pete when he's with like somebody that's sort of like not his speed. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good. <laughs> I was gonna say your internet must not must have dropped out because I'm like I know you love impressions and I know. Oh, that's good. Oh man, nasally quality. What there? Yeah, it's a little bit. Well. When I've done it to he's in the lower, he ends sentences with a bit like lower than he starts them. That I have to say, I Bill Hader does that when he does Judd, and that's totally where I got that. Um, because he well, he noticed that he goes like, well, he listening to Judd, it it reminded me so much of the cadence that I think I just seen Superbad not for the first time, but I just rewatched it and. And they all, Judd has this thing that Seth has, which is sort of a, 
definitive. They land their sentences. You know, they <laughs> land their, there's a way they land their points that's like very definitive yeah, and, kind yeah. of, and declarative almost, you know? Yes, absolutely. Well, maybe we should just go and get some weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go and get weed. It's almost like we, and they, they like, they relish the certain words. Like Judd does a thing where he's like, yeah, well, if I, as long as I don't smoke too much weed, you know, yeah. they like, they, they kind of enunciate uh, the, the key word in their, in their sentences. I, I don't know. How That's no, I know what you mean. Cause when I saw, again, I, I, I had been doing it for a while and then I saw Hater do it and it was so much better. And what he noticed was what you noticed, which is, and this is Bill's, he goes, I just like that you have that kind of gear. Yeah. He'll, he'll go down and yeah. Really yeah. land the word gear. Yeah. This is such a good point about Hater that like, that you and like maybe, and like a handful of other people would appreciate that. I'm sure most of your listening audience won't. It, it might be an alienating, but I have such a specific thought that you just triggered about Hater, which is, I admire him so much and I'm ashamed that occasionally I have, um, <laughs> I get, I get up- upset that he is so much better at impressions. Cause I, I really like pride myself on certain impressions. And, yes. and you said something that I think I've, I've experienced with Bill multiple times, which is you're proud of an impression that you do. It's like maybe one of your go-to, it's like your ace in the hole, you know, <laughs> 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 Bill comes along and, He's like, oh, and in a, in a very um, humble kind of way. Oh, yeah, I, I do that too, you know. And he'll he does one that destroys yours. Yes, it's like the no. ultimate impression of whoever. That's why people of our ilk, of our skill level, need to stay with each other. Because when yes, Bill, yes. when Bill walks over, because when you and I met, so to finish that anecdote, they tape thirty Apple commercials, and then Steve Jobs would pick the five that would air. That's how much money they threw at that campaign. You're right. He would pick out of, um, and it was all up to him. I mean, he, he, and I did, did we tell you, I don't know if we told you this, that like he wouldn't even read the scripts beforehand. He just wanted to see it on its feet. And all then cut. I, he wanted to get all cut. And then I was in one of the ones that got cut. And then it wasn't that big of a disappointment, but, but it was disappointing. I was basically in the foreground as a reporter yelling questions to you. Yeah. And I was like, this isn't, I just sort of knew this one's not going to go. This isn't that fun. And it did not. But the reason I bring it up is the reason why the day was still such a big success and so fun for me was that in between you and I bonded first and foremost over doing Pacino. Oh, yeah! Which became huge Pacino, because I'm huge. (laughs) So (laughs) great Pacino, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's so so funny, Pete. That's right, I forgot that. I, 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 I just saw Heat two nights ago. Oh, my God. The whole thing, I... I was like, oh, it's eight o'clock. I'm by myself in my place up on this in like, it's kind of rural. Uh, I don't know why I have to p- paint that picture, but um, I was I was like a little stoned and I was like, I just kind of want something that I haven't seen in a while. I got this nice screen. Uh, what's a movie I haven't seen? Heat. I forgot that Heat is like four hours. <laughs> have you seen it? And it keeps going and going. And it's, um, but I also forgot how good it is. You know, I forgot like, and I, th- I think specifically we did that scene. You did that scene with Hank Azaria, right? The great ass scene? Yeah. Yeah, great ass. Yeah. 
We, I just remember, I like people that want to play, I, especially if somebody can set aside their special status. So here I am feeling like I don't want to intrude. Uh-huh. But you, you were giving me silly vibes. And then I'm being silly. Oh, and, you know, and you know how a set is. Of course, there's so much time to kill. Yeah. So I don't know when it happened, but at some point, either you or I just start going like, all train compartments smell vaguely of shit. And then we're, and then we're, and then we're up. And yeah, we're up. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. Cause I love, but also I would say, I have to say, uh, Bill does the same thing. Bill, as much status as he has, and anytime I've been around him, for the most part, it's been like his sets, you know, like Judd would have me come and do, uh, Judd used to do like a DVD day where, where he would just have people do bits or like things that he knew were going to oh, be yeah. outtakes. From or, Knocked Up. I love knocked, your, I love your Knocked Up take. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah we did. Great. He would bring me in for that stuff. And, and so I was always on Bill's kind of whatever and he, he, on his t- turf, if you can call that. And, and he was always very deferent. He, he, you know, he's good at that and making you feel comfortable and like, he's not the, the, you know, alpha comedian. Um, but, but I just remember you being there and, and, and like loving having a guy around that I could like just do the dumb bits with him. It's well, because it, made like, day, it made the day go fast, right? Totally. And, and it's a long and, day. It's a lot. Those, those days were long, but also you, you mentioned that like, there's so much downtime, but with a job like that, um, most of the downtime, it wasn't even like you got to interact with the crew that were like moving stuff around or like switching scenes. Like there, there wasn't that much to rehearse. Certainly. Um, it was all that same white, background and um the downtime would mostly be the executives um trying to figure out what else they wanted because i don't think anybody was in direct contact with steve jobs so it was it was a lot of guessing guessing i think that's what it was and and um so it was usually me and john and then it it was so fun then to get somebody like you and and we had the the some really great uh in addition to you we had you know Zach Galifianakis and Paul F. Tompkins, like these really people that I admired and thought were really funny would, would come in and, and I would say, um, you know, don't feel bad that your thing didn't get cut because the, the, I remember thinking the funniest ones never made it to air, like the, the mm. fun ones. And um, I, I said this recently and it got taken out of context. So I got to be careful about how I say it. Maybe sound really like douchey, but I, I, Steve, jo- I, I had heard, I asked one of the executives once why that was at a rap party when they were, you know, a little liquored up and truthful. I said, why do all these funny, you know, I'm sure I referenced yours. And, and, um, cause I, I, you know, I was, a, I'm a fan of people like you and, and, um, and he, they said, oh, well, Steve Jobs doesn't like if the, if they're too funny, that the comedy detracts from the point of the commercial. Wow. Isn't that interesting that I, and I, again, I get it. I mean, looking at Apple products, this is a guy that was like, you don't want too much flash or color necessarily. I'm looking at my laptop right now and it's just that space metal gray. That's just like, you know, even when they're fun, they're, they're, they're kind of simple. Simple. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't have to be distracted by anything to get to the point of the thing. Even if that distraction is, funny is comedy wow did you I think yes i mean again like i said that recently and, and i think that the context in which it was reprinted or whatever was um oh i, I they were too funny for steve jo- you know like i don't know it, it made me sound self-aggrandizing or something uh 
But, yeah, I mean, people are so desperate for something to make something sound mean. I know. I think yeah. that's fascinating because obviously yeah. this is one of the most fascinating people that's of the past hundred years and a little like to just, okay. So I did the E-Trade commercials, right? Mm-hmm. The baby, um, oh, yeah. the talking baby. Oh yeah. And the reason they stopped, I think, and I don't want to get taken out of context here, but I think it was that it was super funny and mm-hmm. super beloved but they weren't seeing enough people going, that made me laugh. I'm going to now sign up for E-Trade. Oh, 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 oh. So that's oh, sort of oh. to Steve's, Steve's point. It's like, are we here to entertain or do we want to like lull them into a state of curiosity? Yeah, yeah. And and um, and that's, I think that was the real genius of that campaign. It was that there was such a clarity to it. It was, um, and the clarity is really like, if if you if you reduce it to its essence, it's, it's, I'm better than you. Yeah. It's like a really unlikable thing to play. It's an unlikable, it's a difficult thing to convey in any sort of charming, like likable ways that, yeah. but, but that was the point of those commercials. And, and, and I remember I, 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 I was always, I always kind of uh, bristled at, leaning into that too heavily. Like I, I always felt really uncomfortable whenever, like I remember the first round of those that we did the first day, the only note that the student, the executives kept giving Phil Morrison, who was the director, a great director. Uh, I love Phil and he has a very sensitive touch. He, he made that movie June bug and mm. he's a very like funny, sensitive person. But Phil was at, you know, of course the mercy of the Apple people. So they kept saying, Whenever I'd introduce myself, hello, I'm a Mac, they wanted me to go, hello, I'm a Mac, proudly. You know, like proudly, wow. like, like declarative. I'm a, uh, this is who I am. Hello, I'm a Mac. Wow. Yeah, and, and, wow. I, and I couldn't do it. I could, I, I, it was the one thing, and, and, and it's not like I, I take direction. I love taking direction. I love, you know, putting myself in the hands of a director, and, and, and that to me is part of the fun in the process, but there was something about this that I, I was so afraid of just give us one. You know, it was that it was like, yeah, you know, and Phil would be like, I know I, I like what you're doing. This is to me, it's more accessible. It's more human, but they need one. And I, I mean, I shouldn't brag about this because, you know, really it's me not taking a note and, right. and following the, the directions of a boss. But I, and I never do things like this. I'm always like, whatever you want. You know, I'm a very pliable person. Yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. But I didn't, and I'm so glad I didn't. And, uh, and, and then, of course, after that, they were like, once something works and they see that it makes money or it's effective, whatever, uh, they never encouraged me to do that again. But I, I, I just think sometimes about... Oh, my I think, God. I, I think it was selfish, Pete, because I didn't want to be... I was so uh, paranoid about being like a spokesperson or... A, say, a, a pitch person, you know, like, hey, this is, I don't know. So. Well, it would, ru- it would have ruined it. I'm not just saying that to agree with you. It would have ruined it. Let's do one now the way that you think they wanted to do it. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm a Mac. Hey, I'm a Mac. And you know? I'm a PC. PC? What the heck are you doing? I'm trying to print these documents, but they're in different formats. So they're all over the place. And I just sharded. 
Well, you should get the program I have. It comes on every Mac. It's much better. I'm much better than you. It comes included? Mine is a $44.99 upcharge and a 12-hour download. Oh, PC, what are we going to do with you, you fucking asshole? <laughs> I love it. You know, it's interesting what all, that campaign also did was... And and this is this isn't uh, hey what do you you're on the record to talk about this I think it's interesting did I I'm choppy aren't I Pete I'm so sorry it's all good man I'm so sorry but I I uh, when you froze it was I took a photo I'm gonna send you it's really funny uh, because you froze right <laughs> you were like you know it's really interesting but i'll send it to you you're gonna take it i i just said though to katie and we can include this i was like we're losing the internet a lot but i was like at least it's with a great guest we're having great rapport and we can keep picking it back up it's a real compliment to you um i was just gonna say as a as a topic of of interest that didn't that campaign also sort of drive home the idea that's behind most marketing, which is you are your products. I mean, like, it was just like, what if, what if we just, can we just yeah. tell them that they are their products? Which I think that idea pre-existed Mac and PC. Like, like, like Mac had that reputation and then they leaned into it. But it still happens now if somebody's like an Android person doesn't that yeah. sort of tell you a little bit about their personality? Which, of course, isn't really true at our deepest levels, but it's sort of the game of advertising. And the scary thing is, is it may be becoming more true. I mean, the more connected we become to technology, certainly, yeah. the more uh, an extension of, of ourselves it becomes. And, and, and eventually, I mean, the, 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 scientific, the sci-fi like nightmare version is that we become an extension of them. Right. You know, and how, just, you know. to what degree are we already doing that? I mean, I, even if PC put out a cheaper, sleeker, faster, more user-friendly thing, it would, it would take a lot of mental work for me to be like, but I'm an artist. I'm a cool guy. And by the way, Justin, please don't think you're the spokesperson for this. It just came to mind. No, no, no. no that's I'm not, I'm not holding your feet to the fire on this. It just, it just came up. Well, well, what's interesting, Pete, is that I think you have, I have so little personal beyond the commercials. And I know it's, it's maybe weird to even hear that. Well, beyond the commercials, but it's something that you did. You spent years of your life doing. I, but beyond this job, this which I was just thought of as an acting job, it, beyond that, I don't have uh, th- that kind of allegiance to uh, a- Apple as a product, like like the way I would say even you do. I mean, j- yeah. that that hypothetical that you just presented, you know, I wouldn't have as hard a time using another type of product. I, I don't know. I, I j- only That's because I don't use. I don't know. Maybe I, I certainly, as you can see, I don't know nearly as much about computers. I'm not as I know. In, in the downtime, I was walking Justin through how to set up a personal hotspot. So yeah, yes. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, this is really cool. I didn't know my, my Apple computer did this. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Mac and I'm an iPhone, I guess. I well, have a moment when we were doing, uh, when John and who played PC, John and I were doing a spot for the, the uh, iPhone just came out. And they had given us um, 
prototype. They were, they had given us ones to, to use like a month earlier and I had been traveling and I tried to switch my, um, I, I had to switch carriers in order to use it. And I tried to do that. And it, it was just like, you got to go to that AT&T store or whatever. It was just a pain in the ass. And I was like, <laughs> eh, I like my flip phone. I like my service. I don't want to like go through the hassle of whatever. I was just lazy. And, um, and so we're doing, we're on set and we're doing, you know, PC is like a version of what we just did, which is like, Hey, what are you doing there, PC? And oh, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get the weather on this device. And I'm like, well, you should check out the iPhone. I can do all those things with my. And I don't think they ever aired this one, but it was where I was explaining to PC what all the things that the iPhone did. And in in between takes, uh, John had set his iPhone up, so he was like, he was actually using his, and and um, <laughs> I was looking at it for the first time. Pete, I had this thing, and I was like, wait a minute, this is. I'm like, and he's walking me through how to use it, you know, and I'm going, this is amazing. I, I was like, guys, to the executives in the back, like, hey, do you all have one of these? These are fucking crazy that you can do all this. And I remember thinking John and I were laughing because, A, that he was walking me through how to use it. And, and B, that I, it would have been such an effective commercial if they had just run uh, the b-roll on our yes. on the in-between stuff where i was genuinely like blown away by what wow <laughs> what that's yeah. hilarious that would and it because it's a role reversal too i mean that's just perfect it was <laughs> it would have been really yeah funny if anyone had captured it but i was like oh god i'd love i love one of these on this. Well, you know what? What I love about that, and I'm not just saying, is that when the iPhone first came out, I remember the first time I saw one. My ex-wife, now at the time, wife, were at a restaurant, and the people next to us had an iPhone, and they had it sitting on the table. Very normal now. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that was. Sorry, that was me getting an email. I'm very popular, Pete. I got an email. <laughs> Electronic mail? Increase your penis size. <laughs> uh, <laughs> email schlong at gmail dot com? I didn't was even I know there was. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw it and I, I remember being like starstruck. And mm. I, everybody wanted one. I remember a comedian named Tim Young had a bit where he was like, I, I couldn't get an iPhone, so I just bought white headphones. But that <laughs> that bit, so you look cool on the train. Yeah. That, beats, that bit speaks to how obsessed people were with being like a Mac. Because didn't, uh-huh. do you feel that that character sort of ushered in a whole tech hipster thing, right? I mean, it was like... Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think it was happening already. Again, like... I don't want to say it again. I don't know if we talked about this, but I don't have, we, we did in the sense of like, I, I didn't have perspective um, at the time. certainly with something like that. Like I've, you know, now I've had the luxury of being able to time going by and, and being able to now look back and examine it, um, knowing the, what I know now, but I, 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 at the time I wasn't aware of it. Certainly. I wasn't like, I didn't consider them, I didn't think of it as being like a significant campaign or an important, you know, I remember thinking they're on a lot and, um, you know, and, and, and in the years following that campaign, I remember seeing similar types of commercials pop up and similar types of like 
got, you know, kind of. Oh, I did one. I did one for Die Hard Batteries and they told us I was the positive terminal. Matt McCarthy was the negative terminal. And it was just one of the many Apple clones where I was, Die Hard Batteries are great. And the other guy was like, (laughs) so I was riding years later, still the wake of the two, the positive person and the negative person. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I... I, I, yeah, so in retrospect, I guess they were, uh, it made a real mark, but, but at the time, and I think that about a lot of things in my past, like um, relationships I've been in, where at the time I didn't think of them in, in a certain way. I just thought of, I was in it. So I just sort of, I didn't have the luxury of being able to, you know, examine it from a more objective perspective, I guess. Uh, I don't know what you mean. You mean because the public picked up on it and had their own story? Yeah, if it was something, if it was certainly, if it was an actress, if it was a public thing, if it was, um, yeah, I mean, some of those relationships I was in were, were, were with people that other people cared about. Uh, I, I see what you're saying. You were not the Mac enthusiast. You were just dating a Mac. <laughs> right, right. It was, exactly. it was other people. right. Well, dude, I don't know anything about, for like example, for Drew Barrymore, but that is still yeah in the Justin Long story. I don't do a lot of research because I was just excited <laughs> to talk to you. But uh, if yeah. you give you a goog, people love to just be like, he dated Drew Barrymore. That is like a, it reminds me of like Jay Moore. He's done all these things, but you still say he was on SNL. Yes. You had yeah. a relationship that in the public consideration was as, see, I, as being on SNL. But see, I would, I would think Jay being on SNL is far more in terms of something to talk about or something that you consider um, a part of your, uh, it's something that is for public consumption and, and, and is totally. like worth talking about. I think that's far more significant and, and because the way with somebody like Drew, I, I had such a different relationship with her than than anyone could ever, you know, I, I couldn't begin to explain it or, or, or even wouldn't want to even talk about well, it. Because not because no, like, oh, I cherish my, it's nothing like that. I just, I, I respect her too much. I respect what it was too much to like, I don't know, to like add it to the whatever whatever public fodder uh, is out there about that, about, you know, two people dating each other for a time being, but, but um, yeah, I I certainly don't like when it comes up, I don't like bristle at it. I I just, uh, I just don't want to, there's nothing. It's not for the public, you know, which is a weird thing to say because I know that there were photos and stuff and, and it's funny though. I net, but I never, consumed any of that i never you know you can really certainly back then you could really avoid uh that stuff i i, I imagine it's harder now because the social media is such a huge component of life oh but, my god uh, you'd get relatives texting you yeah screen grabs of stories i mean that's i i don't i i've only had a few snafus that like got picked up by the press or whatever but you can't ignore it even if you don't yeah. go on twitter yeah your weird cousin <laughs> or whoever is going to text the screen grab of like the meanest one and send it to you. Because yeah. You're not even thinking in your case in a relationship. And again, Justin, I really, I know nothing about even that. reviews, Pete, even like I would get yeah. those out of the paper clips 
my mother's friends would send them to her. She goes, she'd say, oh, I, I, and they weren't good, necessarily good reviews. <laughs> I was in their local, you know, I was in the, the Arizona star tribune or whatever. Yeah. And they got excited, which I get, I, I like, I'm not belittling that. I, I, it's, it's, but when you, I would get negative. Uh, you know, my mom, and my mom's the worst about that stuff. She's excited that I'm in the paper at all. Right. Well, it's not. She, she doesn't see the headline, drag me to hell indeed. <laughs> yeah. I, by yeah. the way, I, I use that one because I love drag me to hell. I saw it in the theaters, which is, oh. the, it's the way to see that movie. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It's, a, it's a hoot and a scream. Like, it's like the most outrageous it's a romp. I know why yeah, it's, am I giving it's a what, fucking romp. You should it, be proud of that one. That one's great. It's a Looney Tunes. Uh, I remember Sam always referencing Looney Tunes. Um, and I, I didn't quite understand until I saw it, what he was talking about, but, but it's really like a Looney Tunes inspired uh, uh, romp. Like you said, oh, yeah, for sure. That kind of comedy, the, the, the anvil on, I mean, it's, Anvils falling on people's head, eyeballs popping out. It's so. I know the corpse. I don't want to ruin anything, but the stuff that happens with a corpse is just very, very. Oh, it's so good. Very she, funny. Oh, that was a dream job. I, you know, I, I saw that movie with Seth Herzog, who oh, no I also the Herzog. Uh, yeah, comedy show. But um, that was the dream job. I, I, Sam Raimi was, you know, he's one of my heroes, and and Alison Lohman was one of my favorite actresses. Uh, is yeah. one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Very Can lovely. I ask you this? Not not about anybody in particular, but are, are, do you see yourself as like a married guy? You seem so, like I sort of want to see you with kids. I'm sure you get uh, this a uh, lot. I'd like you, it. You've got like dad energy. So, oh. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, is that something you see for yourself? Oh, yeah. It's funny, Pete, because I've always, um, I always thought that that was uh, for sure what I was going to end up doing being a dad. And, and, um, I, I love kids. Uh, I, I love hanging out with my, my nephews or the, I just love kids. I mean, it's, it's funny. I'm, I'm like at the age and I'm on the uh, social predicament where like, that's kind of a, that could potentially be a creepy thing to say. Right, <laughs> I love, right, kids. Right. love kids. Right. Um, that's a Bill I, Burr bit. Oh, really? He talks about, um, Again, please note the context. This is stand-up comedy. It's dark. And he goes, he's mad at uh, sexual, uh, you know, I don't know how to say this. Uh-huh. I think I think he just says perverts or pedophiles or something uh-huh. terrible. But he's like, they ruined it for the rest of us. I love, ki- I love kids. And he's in his 40s and he wants to hug and hold and like, and and it's just, it's a very dark Yeah, But it... But it I, I hear you. You're saying you're sort of getting up to the point where it's like, is this is this weird? Well, well, yeah. And I um, obviously not, by the way. Well, well I've also uh, been, you know, I just, I think I'm at the point too where I I I finally am really realizing how just how precious time is. Time in the last few years has become um, like a heightened commodity. Uh, and its value has just like skyrocketed. <laughs> and, um, yeah. and so I, I think that's part of why I'm dragging my feet now is because I don't, I think I stayed in, I think I stayed in the wrong things too long, uh, w- whether it was my own 
guilt about leaving and hurting people, whatever it was. Or I, I could psychoanalyze myself, but it, oh, it was, Justin, can I just say I'm the worst? We've we've had a whole podcast dedicated to the nice guy problem, uh, meaning you think it's mean to break up with somebody, so you never do it. I'm I'm just uh, so which is meaner. It's meaner. It's manipulative. Yeah. It's a lie. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to stop here because I think you, we need to share that message that if you're staying with somebody because you want to spare their feelings, that's a manipulation. And it's not, absolutely. it's not your thing to do. You need to speak your truth. Well, I, well said. And, and I wish I had heard that from somebody. Me too. Like you're, yeah. I, uh, I could have saved not only myself, but like more, I, you know, for for a, a guilt ridden, you know, people pleaser. More importantly, like you said, I could have saved the other person. Yeah, uh, I could spare them time, um, and not to get into like men, women. You know, whether it's more precious for work, but there is a biological. You know, to there's a line. I, I hate quote. I this is really. I don't know what this is, but I I did this movie called Comet, and I I, I hadn't seen it in years. I rewatched it recently uh, with a but but I um there's a line in it where I, I uh, about Emmy Rossum says and I'm not I'll, I'll just paraphrase it she says basically you know you have to be really certain uh uh because to to rob time from a woman in her 30s is is criminal if you're not gonna commit you know if if that's a pressure that's a, that's an even more precious time for whatever I'm feeling now uh women who might want to have kids is like Right, you can't do that. Um, I want to. I, I want to be careful. You know, I just. Oh, wanna, dude, uh, I, I hear it, what you're saying, and I know it's a delicate subject, especially because we're both men. But I think it's fair to say you don't see the like aging, like John Voight type having kids later. I don't know. Why I said John Voight. I don't know if he even did that. But like, you don't see the old woman in the same way that you see the old man potentially still having kids later. Yeah. You don't see the David Letterman of there's no female David Letterman being Steve like Martin. Yeah. There's yeah. no lady Steve Martin being like, I waited till I was 60 to have children. It just, 70. It's yeah. 70. Yeah. yeah. He is a wild and crazy guy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Not that we're celebrating that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I know. So I, uh, I want to be for my sake, for whoever that person, the next person is for her sake. So, um, but, I, you, but to answer your question, yeah. Uh, yeah, I would love to have kids. I would love it. Yeah. I just, you're just bringing me back and I can't talk about it enough. I think it is important to share that horrible. I, I think we're similar in that way that people pleasey, and 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 telling somebody anything that they don't want to hear, even if it's the truth, is the worst thing you can do. And it's taken me so long to figure out. I had a therapist that basically coached me through how to break up with somebody. Really good tips. He's like, wow. if they say you're going to regret this, you'll be. You, you always concede the point. That was always one of the. Uh. You go. You're right. I might regret this. You uh-huh. don't go. You don't go. No, I won't. I'm fucking done. You just go. You're absolutely right. Um, you're hurting my feelings. I know. I'm so sorry. I, uh-huh. I I have to tell you my truth. This is more important. This is my truth. My truth. Ah, uh-huh. um, that's then, good. Yeah. I. Um, it, it. Yeah. It's. It. It's just cost me and the other person people too much time. And it's. Uh, so now it's like I. I. I 
feel, uh, you know, it's scary. The prospect of then getting into something is um, that may end that way is uh, it's just tri- tripping me up a little bit, I think. Yeah. Oh, I know. I see what you're saying. So the thought of a new relationship also brings up the thought of a new breakup potentially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like sometimes I think about, um, oh, it'd be nice to have a dog again to get like a, it'd be nice to adopt another, you know, fun little guy. Um, and then I think about, well, the dog's going to die. <laughs> yeah. A horrible way to go through life and like potential relationships. But I'm also not a pessimist. I, I, I don't think like this, well, this is it for me. I had a good run and uh, it's off to the monastery now. Um, right. I, I, I do think I'll, I'll, you know, I'll meet somebody else. It's just, I just want to be, I think I'm doing what I've never done in my life, which is to be very sure and cautious and uh you know maybe to a fault no i i really appreciate your your candor there i really do because i think you're representing more people than you know and and even parts of myself that you're just like why do something if it leads to pain and you're you're bringing up this image of people i've heard of relationships maybe it's movies where people are like or, or you know what is the thought that i had next time i date somebody when it's nice and good at the beginning, we'll just say, look, let's have a deal. When we break up, it doesn't have to be a big thing. We can just uh, text each other the word baloney and we'll oh, know that like that's a safe word. Yeah. But the problem is we live in a world where those extremes of love are paired with their opposite. The yeah. joy of a dog yeah. is paired with the opposite. And and even the preciousness, and I know you know this, but the preciousness of a dog is because it's not forever. If there was a forever dog, sure. uh, you know, who cares? And if there was even marriages and stuff, the, the fact that I have to sort of, I feel an excitement of earning it with Val, of not letting it atrophy, of not letting it yeah. uh, go stale. I'm not afraid of her leaving me, but I'm afraid of me leaving the relationship or me yeah me ghosting myself my own potential for love I, but but yes i'm just agreeing with you well i feel that way i i felt that way lately with my like aging relative my father who's 81 my grandmother whom i just saw for the first time in a long time since covid um i saw her the other day she's 103 wow and i i it, like you said um knowing that they are going, I mean, we're all going to die, but knowing that I don't have much, my time with them is even more limited. Yeah. Um, it, it, it adds this extra layer of, um, you know, like immediacy and, and almost it raises the stakes of like, I don't know how to say it, like enjoying their company, like soaking up as much as I can from them while I have them. I, I, and I'm not always conscious of that. I'm not, I mean, that'd be really morbid, but, but I do occasionally have these flashes when I, when I hug my dad and I feel him, his frailty, you know, more so than he ever was. Um, yeah. I can feel him fall in, get, get in a way going away in a way, like his body changing to the point where like, I want to, I, I, I don't know that I'm articulating this properly, but uh, I want to savor it. More no, than I ever. just but that's it. I mean, this is a this this is a philosophical point. It's like a sunset is beautiful because it lasts about mm-hmm. twenty minutes, right? Mm-hmm. 
And that feeling, and I've been having it because of COVID too, an increased feeling of fondness for my parents who are both in their 70s to be like, oh, wow, that, that's one of the things that juices the game. I actually yeah. don't think it's morbid. And I try to remember as often as I can that I'm going to die. Yeah. And even as I'm saying that, I'm being 100% real with you. As I say that now, it makes this conversation, it imbues this conversation with more richness and more vitality because I'm like, this is what's happening. How, how we feel about our life right now is how we feel about our yeah. life. Yeah, I, know. I, used to, <laughs> I, I used to think like, well, I, for, for so long I operated under the, uh, uh, with the idea that, well, one day life will happen, you know, and like- That's right. Right now, this is a precursor to, I'm just getting all my ducks in a row and like, Maybe it was marriage, maybe it was kids, maybe it was like that was the, that's what I was kind of working toward. And at a certain point, I started to realize like, oh shit, life is now. That's like right. I had friends die, uh, people that I knew started to die. And, and it, 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 every time that happens, it, um, it, it resells the point that like, this is it. This is what we, and so it, it yeah, maybe you're right. It, I, mean, I guess not more, morbid's the wrong word. If anything, it's maybe it's life affirming, which is for sure. Um, yeah, which is, I, I guess, a, a good thing. But I, um, it's why I like doing these podcasts. It's why I like, uh, I, I often, rec- I don't think I've ever told anyone this outside my pet, but I record a lot of my family conversations. I record, mm. I mean, they know that. And um, occasionally I'll play one on the podcast if it's funny. But I, I, I record as much as I can if I see that the conversation is becoming interesting or funny or whatever. If there's some... Oh, I've done it too. I want to remember. I've done it too. Uh, Thanksgiving, I'll just put my phone in the middle of the table. Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, I know. And dude, even sometimes during Thanksgivings that are a little uncomfortable. Totally. I'm like, I know there'll be a time. Yeah. That I'll be so glad. I still don't delete voicemails from my folks. Uh, yeah, no, no, me too. Yeah, I, I have them. I have my mom singing me happy birthday. Uh-huh. I, and I know that's kind of, that's a little that emotional for me, but I'm like, because it's precious. It's like, that's a, that's a keeper. You got, you're going to keep that one. But when, when I heard you saying morbid, I heard you saying, I not make other people feel morbid because let's be honest, a lot of folks aren't ready to have the like, this is more precious because it ends conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know. I know. I, I guess, but I, is that morbid, I guess implies uh, depressing or dark or. Um, yeah. But, but you, but, you, I think you were empathizing with other people's potential dread that you might be stirring up. But I think a lot of people that listen to this show, one of the things we have in common is that we've identified. I was just re- on the podcast that came out, this uh the today but this won't it doesn't matter it came out recently uh-huh. i was reading about taoism and and that when you're in flow with the Tao, with the way that things are and this is the line from stephen mitchell he says you see that life is good and you see that death is good and that just doesn't make any sense in, unless you're so zoomed out on the whole universal conspiracy of being that you of course you see your dad's shrinking uh, which is so beautiful to bear witness to yeah, is gorgeous and appropriate. I'm not saying that the pain of loss is something we need to go. This is gorgeous and appropriate. I'm just, 
It's easier in nature when you see uh, an aging tree, when you see a river drying up, when you see a dying squirrel. It can break your heart and you still go, this is the circle of life. As I said to Val, we just have such a harder time applying that perspective to us because we overlay these stories onto them, which is what we should be doing, but it also increases the suffering and the enjoyment. Well, that's true, Pete. And I was thinking recently that there's only... It's it's so you know we fear the things that um, we we don't know and the only thing I know is existence. I only know what it's like to be alive and and so the thought of the a non that uh, happening to a relative forget myself but like a non that happening to somebody that I've just always known um, yeah. and, and counted on and. and you know, been, been known that I could be annoyed by, or, you know, known that I could be charmed by the, the idea of a, a not that is, um, right. is something that I, I always struggle with. Are there, I, like, I really enjoy, uh, I've been enjoying some edibles lately and, <laughs> um, <laughs> and shout out to Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Uh, and, <laughs> and like, I'll, there's the only time it becomes tricky for me is, Every maybe every other time I, I you know and I'm, I mean like five milligrams here and there, but occasionally um, I'll have this passing thought, which is just that we're death is inevitable of that of death that it's inevitable mm-hmm. and um, and I I can't begin to, I can't I, I find myself trying to fathom it and. Um, I, I like uh, I, I retreat immediately from it, oh. and it and I can feel it about to overwhelm me. You know, I totally uh, understand. Yeah, this is this is what we need to be working on. I don't just mean you and me; I mean humanity. There's well, a, I believe it's a Chinese saying uh, or a Zen saying that um, love and death are the two gifts that most people leave unopened. Mm-hmm. We never we never give them enough of wow. our attention. Wow. Or enough contemplation. So what's really interesting about that, and I, dude, don't get me wrong, I have my fears of death. I often dream, and in my dream, I remember that I'm going to die. And I, so I'll have a dream of death anxiety. Oh, uh, yeah. But here's what I'll say to you in this dream, this, this dream we call reality. What, when we start, especially on an edible, and we start trying to contemplate non-being, and that's really unpleasant. I would encourage everybody, myself included, to go towards that. Mm. Why is non-being so unpleasant? Because for non-being to exist, there needs to be something there to say, behold, there is non-being, or behold, there's the void, or behold, there's hell, or behold, there's the, the nothingness. Right, right. And, and, and that's an argument for you know, not fearing it as much because there like, yeah, if that, if that component doesn't exist, then there is uh there's really nothing to fear. <laughs> That's right. So there's a couple of ways we can take that one in order for non-being to exist, there needs to be being there to notice that it doesn't exist. Right. This brings us back to our puppy conundrum. Buying the living puppy is knowing that the puppy will one day die. Also right. staring at a black infinite void 
means that there's something there to, to notice that it's black, that it's cold, that uh. it's lonely, that it's painful, that it's frightening. This all implies something is there. So how could it be a void if mm. something is there noticing all of those things? And also, by the way, being separate of those things and therefore having a body and therefore right. having senses and having a mind that can perceive those senses. The other and much more fun invitation that I'd like to extend to you is an Eckhart Tolle quote where he says, the opposite of life is not, um, the opposite of death is not life. The opposite of death is birth. Life mm. has no opposite because mm. that's what we're saying. Where can you go that being itself is not. Some people call that being God. We can just call it awareness. We can just call it the mystery. So if we get deep into that, and maybe next time we eat an edible, we let it be our tour guide and let it hold our hand and say, where can anything be that a sense of being is not? And that little tour might lead you to the very fun little mini awakening that there can't, that nothing ever dies, that death is an illusion. I'm not saying your dad isn't going to die. I'm not saying Pete isn't going to die. Justin's going to die. Everybody's going to die. But life itself has no opposite. And you you are a part of that. You are, you are that. The thing that's inside of you, animating you, is that which never dies. So you and your IMDb page and your, and my IMDb, that's all fucking gone. And it's just a game and it's just a dance. But that's a, that's but that, a fun thing to think about. But that's a fun thing. And I, and I think that's a good, there are um, really positive manifestations of thinking that way. And one is something as superficial as, as that, which is uh, the IMDb credits. And, and this is something that I've gotten much better at. And I think I've freed myself of over the years is that doesn't, that has zero uh, real meaning. Mm-hmm. You know, that none of that is should carry enough weight to ever lose sleep over or, That's right. uh, you know, or, or think twice about. Uh, don't, and, don't give it the power to shake your inherent belonging in the, the placement of things. Like, why would that made up idea shake you? Of course, it does. And it does for me, too. But because we really look at it, it shouldn't. But, you know, I, uh, yeah, I've encountered people who uh, are more consumed by that. I mean, there are degrees of being aware of that kind of stuff. And uh, I remember the, be- the best example was, um, was a, I was doing a, a play up at Williamstown up in Massachusetts. And, and we were talking to the kids who were uh, like uh, apprentices, they, they call them um, college kids, mostly high school. And one of them said, what? They asked, they were asking for advice, career stuff. And one of the guys I was doing it with was this like journeyman theater actor. He, he, he would go from one play to the next, um, really good actor, great actor. And, but he had this, uh, this sense of, there was something, um, a- a- anxiety ridden about him. There was something kind of like tr- like he was burdened by, mm. you know, where's the next job going to be? And he was constantly talking about, you know, wanting to perform here or plays he had done. It was, and he always seemed, at the end of each play, he always seemed um, stressed out to me. You know, we had just done this thing and, and, and there was a, a, I always felt this release, this nice, like 
like we had accomplished, I don't know. Um, and he always seemed like, Oh God. And scene two, he just seemed like he was struggling. And, um, mm. and at one point when the kids said, you know, what, uh, what, 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 what can you do outside of acting? Like what, what, what advice do you have for somebody who is stressing about acting, whatever. And I had just recently really come to adopt this new mindset, which was I stopped thinking of myself as, as an actor, you know, like, so when people would say, well, what do you do? Like describe yourself. I, you know, I would say I act, I enjoy, I love acting. Mm. I enjoy it. Um, but it, it, it was interesting, but it did psychologically. As soon as I stopped identifying as this, as the thing I did, um, I, love I became much less competitive, much less concerned with what I wasn't getting, what I was, and I'm not saying like, I, this is the answer. And I'm so Zen because clearly I, I'm, I'm not, but, but the guy, the, the other actor, um, said almost the exact opposite thing. He said, "Oh no, no! I, I am an actor. That's wh- who I am. That's what I do. Yeah. I want to know. I start climbing the walls as soon as the job is over." And I used to be a lot more like that. I, I remember thinking, um, and I, I, I was so grateful for this new. I'm, I am so grateful to no longer be consumed the way I once was by those superficial elements but by the idea that like your, your credits um, yes. I, I identify you are, are, are a, are an indication of who you are. Uh, yep. Who are you without your labels is right. the question. And then when you look at who you are without the labels, you're getting a little bit closer to that, which as, as we're playing with this idea, I really think what we're talking about is ineffable, but we're trying when you strip away, I think it's brilliant to not say I am an actor. That is a step towards who am I? Who am I? And that's the thing that we're playing with. And what do I value? And what do I value? And, yeah. do I value? and, and, and that, that's what, that's the puppy. The, 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 the story of the puppy dying is seeing a projected future and, and reading all of this meaning into that and, and dropping as much as we can brings us into the moment. And that's our energy source. That's our life source. Those are those people that don't get tired after a 12 hour shoot. They're still there. They're not telling a story of we should have been done by now. They're in harmony with what is happening. And as soon as you say, I'm an actor, you're like the union worker who won't pick up the two by four because only carpenters can touch wood. And I'm, and that is just, that's the extreme case of like stories debilitating us. If a story can help you when you're young and you go, I'm an actor and an actor prepares and an actor cares about their, their vehicle, their vessel and an actor gets good night's rest and all that stuff can be helpful. But in the second half of our lives, oh, man. what makes me so happy, your job is to go, wait a minute. It's not there is no Santa Claus. It's more like the universal truth is way bigger than Santa Claus. And it's not the good reviews. And it's not the, the, the IMDb credits. It, it's, it's something available to you now. And it's, and it's to the side of any story. I'm an actor. I'm the guy from those commercials. I'm the guy from this movie. You might well, have enjoyed me in Dodgeball. And I think, Pete, <laughs> not, not, I think yeah, I totally agree. I, but I, I also think this pandemic, this time we're living in is um, maybe uh, amplifying that point a, li- a little bit more. Absolutely. Is that, there is no work. I mean, we're, 
There's no acting. Yeah. That, oh, I'm sorry. Keep going. There's no acting. Well, I'm finding joy in things that I had either put aside or had never really considered uh, fulfilling or that, that could be fulfilling. Um, I've been doing things outside. I've been doing things. With my, I've been really like investing in uh, like things like gardening or going fishing or mm. being by myself, being alone, like sitting mm. alone, um, uh, having enjoying time like this with friends, with family. Yes. More. I, I, they're, they're, I'm investing in those moments more than I think I ever have. Uh, this is a mitzvah. I'm so happy to hear you say that. Yeah. <laughs> because it is. I'm using mitzvah. It's coming out. It's a mitzvah. <laughs> is that it allowed? Is. Yeah, I think we can do it. I think we can do it. It's. I just mean it's a joyful gift. And, and mm. hearing you say it makes me really happy because I almost interrupted to say that the pandemic has, has sort of, in a way, a, a, a not literal way, but it's sort of killed all of our identities. Mm. And you can either look at that as an opportunity or you can look at it as something to dread and loathe and resist. And don't get me wrong, I'm sure everybody listening has, has tasted each of those. But when you can, as we just said, flow with what's happening, there may be a gift on the other side of this. You and I are in a superficial business. It's like, who, I don't, I don't think either of us have really suffered from what that story, which was a beautiful example of what can happen, but you can get caught up in like, who am I without all the Instagram likes or without uh, something that I made being popular or, or being consumed or who are you? Great. This is the key spiritual point is that we need to die to the fake stuff and wake up to the real stuff. And the real stuff is this, totally. it's connection. When you say fishing and gardening, I hear connection to the earth. Yeah. Not to say that Instagram and, and our work can't be used for connection as well. But look, all of that stuff can go away and we're still connecting. So that means you are who you thought you could never be and yet you remain. So you are not who you thought you were. You don't need to be in a new movie this month. And right. you are still valuable and you are still worthy. But, but Pete, hearing you say that, and it's beautiful, and I, would, I, I, I wish we could do this every, at least once a week. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I'm enjoying it too. This is very edifying for me. I, I love it. But, I, but this is me on it. These are, they're also the moments, that, like, don't get me wrong. I don't want to, like, paint a, 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 this Zen enlightened picture of myself. Of course, I then you know, a, a minute later after I'm like, God, really, p- truly content with my hands in, in the garden. And I'm, I'm really content. A couple minutes later, I'll, I'll start climbing the walls about, I'm, I miss acting. I miss sure. being on sets. I miss being around people. I miss my friends. I, I, I like definitely um, give myself over to those moments, but I, uh, they, I, I, I suppose the surprise is that I've been managing them better than I, I, I think I've, I thought I would. Um, For sure. But I, I'm not just finding the beautiful in everything you say, although that is a, a loving and beautiful thing to do. Well, what, terrible you're, <laughs> what you're doing when you're missing acting and being on set and being with people is also just is welcome. That is what is, you know what I'm saying? And I, I'm speaking yeah, to myself yeah. too. I don't want to paint a false picture that I'm always in. You, you wake up in the middle of the night and, and you're just anxious 
often yeah. about something I said on this podcast. Are people going to understand? Are people going to attack? Uh, you get, yeah, yeah. You get that vulnerability hangover. Sure. But when you, I, I see it as like, I've, I've Richard Rohr is, is a teacher of mine. Oh, my mother loves Richard Rohr. He's always pushing Richard Rohr on me. Yeah. Oh my God. As a good Catholic boy, you would love uh, yeah. Richard Rohr. Richard Rohr likens even our sex drive to our God-given desire to connect. And uh, when I hear you wanting to, and that's from a celibate, you know what uh, I mean? This He's saying that like you're yearning to share your talent and to be with people. And, and, and like we said on the, on the Apple commercial, you and I passing the day, just laughing. We woke up in this conundrum and, and here we are and we can, and we can laugh in the middle of this very confusing mystery. That's a great thing too. And, and your anxiety is a great thing too. And, and your dread can be a great thing too. It's all in the game. I, I, I like, I like spinning us towards the positive, but let's not resist anything. Let's not be fake. Did you, what, what, you seem to me so, um, so evolved. <laughs> what, what was your, uh, <laughs> what was your moment? Was it, how did you come to be so positive and, and have this kind of enlightened outlook? Was it after you went through the, the, the pain that you went through? Was it, um, was it yeah. having a child? Is it, what, what's, what's like grounded you the way you've been? Well, talking with you is what's grounding me right now. And I'm not just saying that. It's like talking with you, hearing you having and mirroring the same concerns. I'll buy a dog, but it'll die. That's right from my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, when am I going to be on set again? When will I be with friends again? This this is what's happening. And if I'm clear enough, I can see that whatever is happening is is the teaching. I also do want to have some humility here that, that, that those are very kind words, but I'm definitely still just striving for these things. Well, you're an empath. You're, you're, um, you're absorbing a lot of what, yeah, you're relating to a lot of what I'm saying, but you, you see, right. I see that in your work. I, you know, I see that in your comedy. You were, um, you were so kind to come and do that, uh, that show that, that Lauren and I did a couple of years ago. Um, you, uh, I, I, you, you have this accessibility that I think is, um, probably comes from empathy. I then I think it allows other people to empathize with you. Um, oh yeah, dude. I, I was spending that whole time trying to remember. I forgot about that great show. Yeah. You were so good. You're so kind to do it. It was, um, it was for, I, I, I work with this. Uh, it's in, I mean, not to be, <laughs> now it sounds like we're just patting ourselves on the back. In addition to being enlightened. I <laughs> <work with> But there's a, a, a for people to check out. Um, I would love if they went to the it's thegirlshome.com. It's a it's a place I've um, run by these incredible nuns in uh, Nicaragua. It's just a really beautiful place. But that that concert that we put on, and uh, my ex girlfriend Lauren was so kind to help with that, and we organized. She, yeah. she a huge thing in organizing that, and um, so you were kind enough to lend your talents to it, but. Um, uh, I I just had so much fun watching all of these friends of ours like do, use their gifts and and make people laugh and play music for people all in the name of this uh, this thing this this nice you know place in Nicaragua. I, it was just a really yeah, special time. Yeah. I remember being struck by how um, how accessible your, your comedy was, even though you were describing painful things and <laughs> there was something very like uh, empathetic about your, your 
at your, you as an actor, as a performer too. Well, that's um, very kind. Well, here, that's a great way to kind of add another flavor to, to me sounding so equanimous is I remember that and being so nervous because I, I, I really like churches and I, everybody was standing at that show and I'm like, oh, there are all these people that I respect. And if I had really, and this is just, you know, life goals. If I had really been in the flow with whatever happens as a performer, I don't think I would have been nervous. Um, yeah. Eckhart, Eckhart Tolle tells this story called the, the monk with the sweaty palms. And there was this monk who had reached enlightenment. And then he was supposed to give a talk for like a thousand uh, other monks and people. And he was backstage and he had sweaty palms and he just <laughs> left. He just, <laughs> he just got up and, and walked out because he was like, if I'm nervous, if my body is nervous, that means that I am not in harmony with what is. And that means that I still see self and other. I think there's a thousand others out there. So he realized oh. that he wasn't enlightened. He oh, left. God, that's really funny. I, God, if I had been... If I had left prior to performances because of sweaty palms, I would never have performed. I Me think. neither. Me neither. But that, that's a fun little game for us to play. I'm sure you've had moments of revelation where you are just in the zone. You're in the oh, in harmony. It's, As an yeah. actor on set. And oh. weren't, weren't those the moments where the, the thought of I'm over here and you're over there, even in a scene with another person, it just sort of dissolves away and, and you're there. Well, well, Pete, I remember the first time, I, a lot of people say, you know, what made you want to be an actor? What, I, I don't know exactly. I was like, certainly I moved by performances and I, I really loved like Michael J. Fox and, and I loved the, certain movies. And so there were people that, that inspired me and I, I wanted to be like, but I remember a moment in high school, uh, doing high school theater where I, I was, doing a play called Black, the Neil Simon play Black Sea Blues. And, and, and I had a, um, I had, there was a monologue where I talk, I'm playing this, this character, Arnold Epstein. And he talks about uh, how he's cleaning out a, a latrine and these two other soldiers come and, and they, they beat him up basically. They harass him and they, they, and I, I don't know if it was the character relating somewhat to that to feeling small and to, to feeling like I had no status. If, if I could just, I, I certainly had, I didn't grow up Jewish, so it wasn't the anti-Semitic stuff, but if it was maybe be, just being bullied or, or whatever it was, um, I remember coming off stage. This might sound really pretentious, so bear with me. Can't wait. Um, I remember coming off stage and, um, and somebody said, you know, like, like they always do, like, how's the audience? Or like, how is it out there? That was, that was like a common thing in high school, even like college where they'd say, what's the, you know, you'd want to know about the audience. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I, I couldn't answer. I couldn't, I, I tried to recall what the audience was like. And I realized I had no, um, I had, I had been, I, I had been so, I had been really in it. I had been like connecting mm -hmm. with this other actor and, 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 are, are just connecting to the word, connecting to uh, the, the intentions of that scene. I had just been very present, and um, wow, and such a it was such a wonderful feeling. Uh, not like a feeling of pride and like accomplishment. It was just a liberating feeling of um, I, I felt like I had 
I, I felt a sense of safety and it's weird. Like I said, and I still feel that between action and cut, I feel this real sense of like freedom and, and safety. Like, yes, the world can be really um, scary. And like, e- even now, like us, you know, of course I'm going to go through the mental checklist of like, did I talk too much? Did I talk over Pete? Was I, was I self-involved? Was I, you know, just pontificating like out of my, you know, I'm going to go through all that. And, and there's a, there's not as much safety in this, but if somebody gave me words or gave me a structure of a scene and mm. called action and said, I, there's something more liberating about that. Oh, and, I know exactly what you're talking about. And first of all, that story is beautiful. You don't have, that's not pretentious. It sounds like a surfer going into a, a, the barrel of a wave. It's connected, man, to Mother Earth. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And then other surfers being like, how's the ocean? And you're like, what ocean? That was, yeah. all, it was all just <laughs> yeah. one thing. Yeah. So that's lovely. And also, that is exactly why I'm anxious at a party, but comfortable on stage. It's a right. bubble where I, everyone knows. Right. The audience knows what's expected. I know what's expected. We oh, know wait. the rules. We know the parameters. And that's sort of what um, is interesting about watching the parameters change and evolve because like um, even I was watching dodgeball. We don't have to go into this. It's not nearly as interesting as what you just said, but even dodgeball, I was noticing that like Vince Vaughn's perspective as a character, we've evolved where that's not really as popular. I thought it's still very funny and and great. Oh yeah. but, But he's so sort of like, Oh yeah, is that what is is that what you're gonna do? Like he's so sort of like condescending to everybody, and I'm like, oh yeah. wow, we've sort of been, for lack of a better word, um, Jimmy Fallonized. I think it's mm-hmm. kind of nice. It's like we've been infused with a sensitivity um, that Jimmy Fallon sort of embodies. That is like we don't see as many comedies where the lead is going to be like, all right, I got the guy with the one eye and, and the girl with the one leg and, and we got the fat girl over here. Like, you, and, and that, that's, that's something in the movie. There's like a lot of fat jokes, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm not, I'm not just saying, see, I even have to be careful. I'm not saying that. So I've just like, wow, isn't it interesting? But well, we, there's a, um, maybe, maybe what you're, yeah, that's interesting. You said Jimmy Fallon eyes, like, uh, there was a, there was a meaner spirit that, um, yeah. Some of those other comedies had, I, I I, and that's and that's okay, but it's it's interesting. And, and Jimmy Fallon eyes isn't a bad thing. It's just sort of what's happening. The wine is being aerated, and we're letting more emotions in. Where I think you and I both remember that comedy meant you always know what to say, you always understand the situation, and that's going away. And that's right. been going away for a long time. See, I would defend. I mean, it's funny now. Now you've you've sparked my. Yeah, because I am. So, I love comedies so much, and I love those m- movies. And I, I love mm. um, one of my favorites is Wedding Crash. I think the best studio comedy of the two thousands was was Wedding Crashers, and and, mm. and I think that has. I, I think that's a superior movie uh, in part because of how those two sort of cynical the, those guys. Vince is not playing like a wildly different character in that movie, um, but the movie kind of laughs at his they they treat that kind of behavior as as more buffoonish and something yep. he, you know the way he's always eating and 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 then he <laughs> his comeuppance um and then he evolves and then he 
he just he actually finds love with Isla Fisher and and he's the one then that uh, becomes kind of this sensitive uh, partner of, of a woman. He like grows. And so I think that's why that movie is yeah. so good. You can watch it well, over and over. Isn't that, and I'm not saying you can't watch dodgeball over and over. I'm just, I'm noticing one element where I'm like, it's interesting. Oh, I know what you mean. Yeah. It's, we're shifting more towards the wedding crashes where I'm like, I'd like to see, and maybe in dodgeball, we didn't finish it. Uh, we got so tired because we have babies, a baby, but um, I've seen it before. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting so sensitive that you thought that I turned oh. off dodgeball. Oh, no. Boy, that was a we- that was a weird flare up. See, monk we can't with the- see each other. Yeah, we're sensitive little creatures. And I'm the monk with the sweaty palms, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, wedding crashers may be a good example of like we need to skewer that sort of like you know what it is. It's like that Zach Morris. Like growing up, Zach Morris always knew the situation. He always knew what to say. I don't know if you've seen those YouTube videos. Zach Morris is a, I don't know if it's Zach Morris is an asshole or whatever it is. It's really funny. Uh It just points out, oh, it might be Zach Morris is a sociopath, but they're really funny. And when I think Mark Paul, uh, I'm going to say it wrong. I'll just say Mark Paul uh, would like them. Gossler. Um, because it's the character. It's a guy that when you and I were growing up, we're very close in age. Comedy was being like, uh, where's the flood? Like that was, (laughs) you wanted to win with your comedy and now you want to win and lose. Look at, look at, um, you were in that, uh, Youth in Revolt, the Michael Sarah movie. Yeah. Look at Sarah. Look at you. Look at Zach. Um, a lot of modern movie stars are the guys as we're full circle that aren't just going like, nice shirt. Does it come in your size? Like we're not doing, we're not doing that anymore. You know, you're, you're, you're sparking a memory that is, um, about right after I worked with Vince a couple, and this is not, I, I I should preface this by saying, I think Vince is a genius. Vince is one of the funniest. Oh, thanks baby. Quickest, wittiest, um, but but you're right. Those characters he was playing often had a cynical perspective. It was and, just the time. It wasn't him. Yeah. It's not like he was writing it. It was just the time. And that's what we wanted. Totally. What we wanted as an audience and they gave totally. it to us. It's the same thing when you watch Blazing Saddles and you're like, wow, there's a lot of racist stuff. And there's a lot of, it's, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. But there's a lot of like farts and stuff. And I just remember not understanding Bob Hope when I was young, wow, but it's yeah. what, it's what my dad wanted. He wanted, ah, oh, you may have spent more time in a sand trap than blah, blah, blah. You know, like we wanted that. So in defense of, of Vince, who's so funny. I can't, but I, I think what Vince does have that I don't think he gets credit for. And I think Bill Murray has it. I don't know what it's like to work with Bill Murray, but um, I think it all comes from Don Rickles, which is you get away with it. They get away with it. And it's even charming. It can be, it can be charming because there is, um, a, it comes from a place of warmth, weirdly. Yeah. Uh, it, it, Don Rickles would come out with a tiny, after he said, it was one of the biggest thrills of my life to, to be insulted by him. I, I, I met mm. him with some friends and, and, and after he said like things that I can't repeat, um, <laughs> there was just a little hint of a smile enough that you knew he was just fucking around. He was like, it came from, a, it was almost affectionate. And, Vince's would come from there'd be like a he does a wink he has a wink oh and, yeah you know that, that like, wink. yeah there's something about those guys that 
I think if they were just, I'm trying to think of other examples. I probably shouldn't say them out loud if I do think of them, but like examples of guys that don't have that tell, you know, who are yeah. just cynical and, and I think those kind of guys have come and gone. They're also not as sharp and inventive as. Well, some. dude, I think it's this, I think it's podcasting. I think it's the way that film and TV has evolved to sort of yeah. match the tone of the oversharing podcast climate that we live in yeah and we want our characters if you're going to be a blowhard like david brent you know in the office or michael scott in the office you need to humanize them and you need to make break our hearts with them and you need to show us their wants and their drives and their desires and their shortcomings and their justifications and their narratives that they told themselves to become those those sort of imbeciles at times um whereas i think there was a time where it was just like and I'm talking about the 80s and 90s. Totally, yeah. Comedy was just winning. Comedy was just like, it was a way of winning. Even and I look at those movies that I loved, that I those 80s movies, 90s, and and there, you, there is a yeah. You're right. As revenge not, of the nerds. <laughs> I mean, the nerds needed revenge yeah. because of a very toxic environment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> But then it's winning at what expense? Winning at any expense? It's like, you know, winning at, at women's expense. Look at. Oh, Porky. yeah. My God. Porky, the point, Porky's in these movies that we grew up with. No wonder we have so much learning to do. It oh. was like, you got to get a peep of those sweet, sweet tits. Oh, it's my like, God. It's that's, it was... that's the plot. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we're rooting for these guys to like trick these women into showing them their boot. Like, yeah, you're right. that was, if not the total plot, that was like act one plot. You know, it's, that was it's, like, it's the poster. Remember the poster for oh, Scro- sure. screwballs, which is a guy grabbing a girl by the bra, basically and snapping as, it back as I, she's running away. It's like, yeah. what is going on here? Yeah. Well, it was the, I think about this moment a lot in um, I love the Muppets. I'm like a huge fan of the Muppets. And I, I rewatched uh, Muppets take Manhattan the other day in the beginning of it. They're, they're showing a movie. They're, they're doing an assembly. There, there's an assembly um, and Kermit and everybody they're They're performing for a college audience. And at one point they can't find animal and they look and they, they cut away to, there's a cutaway to animal chasing this like, curvy the voluptuous you know woman out of the a co-ed out of the the theater and right. he's going woman woman yeah. you know and yeah. it's it was part of, uh and i grew up you know i came of age as did you um you know when when we wanted to when women we were just discovering like girls and 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 i remember being so intrigued by those just the video covers we couldn't watch r-rated movies yeah. but like you Describing one that now to me seems so um, archaic and like problematic oh, and like for sure absurd. Like absurd. This, I, I just started figuring out what people meant. I'm embarrassed, but I'm I, I'm sharing it because hopefully it'll help people. I didn't really know what people meant by rape culture maybe a couple years ago, and that's what they mean by rape culture. It's yeah. it's like because I was like, who could be for? sexual assault and it's like yeah nobody is overtly for sexual assault but when we have a movie cover like screwballs which you and i had the same experience unfortunately i saw that as a child and was like i'd love to rent this because there's probably (laughs) boobs in it like that was the greatest special effect that could have happened in a movie 
<laughs> and it would have, you know, changed my life to see some boobs. But, but like that's interrupt Pete, but like how who knows how it would have not to like get to, to, to analytical, but like what if you had because your pursuit was the ultimate goal at that age, I'm sorry, but for boy, it's like to see boobs is like yeah, so yeah. exciting. And but what if you had learn something from that. I mean, what if like that movie, that's a mainstream movie that a lot of young men did and, and probably will not as many, they'll see it and they'll see that, Oh, guys like drilling a hole in the locker room from the men's, the women's locker room to like peep on girls is like, not only is it okay, but it's like, it's something that isn't a comedy that can be laughed at. And yeah. Like, it's, that's, it's, I always use the example of making jokes that make light of drunk driving in comedy clubs leads to more drunk driving that night. So that's always my example of like how jokes inform a narrative of a culture. And that's what rape culture I'm learning. I'm not an expert, but this is what I'm putting together is when you call a woman a co-ed, which I did too. I'm not correcting you. I just did. No, I, I know. When you said it, it reminded me that when you're going to objectify something, you give it a new name. Uh, and, we're, and we're back. It's not a woman. It's certainly not. You wouldn't say on the cover, a human being is running away. Yeah. It, you, you say like a college co-ed. Yeah, yeah. And that means, oh, she's what I, I don't even want to get into the narrative. Yeah, of why is that she's more sexualized? That there yeah. are implications to that that like are just part of my vernacular that I, I, as same thing, Pete, I never really stepped back. In fact, I went through a period where I was, if anything, probably defensive about it. Like, well, I'm not like that. Right. So therefore, why do I have to accept that? I, I, you know, I have some um, responsibility to, you know, change the way I think. I don't think that way. I don't behave right. that way. But th- there are, um, yeah, if you do, then step. I just saw this great TED talk. It was all about um, setting aside the need to be right. It was. It was mm. about. Um, it was about. Deli- it's called deliberate listening, mm. and uh, the whole idea that like just set aside that that desire to be right and hear somebody and and hear somebody's feelings, even if it, they don't align with yours or you think they're being completely irrational. Um, and it is. It's 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 really helped me. In fact, that's and, uh, it. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. what Thich Nhat Hanh said would heal the world is compassionate listening. If you ah. could get hardcore right and hardcore left listening to each other without an agenda, just to oh, give space, even if you're to put aside the incitement and the and the fear and the anger, if you can actually just. And, and believe me, you'd be the monk with the driest palms ever if you can uh-huh. do this. <laughs> to just sit and go, wow, that one over there in this dream is that way. Can I just listen? Can two sides, can, can two countries listen to each other compassionately and putting yeah. themselves aside? And the other point I heard you making is we don't know what we don't know. And I know that's easy to say, but like when we go, but I'm not that way, for me, the humility or the humiliation, meaning the increasing of humility in my life, has been doing some deep digging and realizing that yeah. you do quietly in the dark corners of your psyche uh, are a co-conspirator 
even in a passive way. Absolutely. You're a co-conspirator in the belief that a, that a, that animal is chasing a co-ed. And dude, again, I really want you to be, to know that this is fine. You weren't doing that. No, 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 no. I know. I know. I, I reminded me. It's funny. No. Yeah. And that were, yeah, I was aware of it as I said it. And and I, but I think I have the, I don't, I'm not yet. It's it's Playboy. It's Playboy magazine. These co-eds, you know what I mean? Sexy co-eds of Columbia university. (laughs) And and the, the interesting slash maybe more difficult thing for us. And I'm tiptoeing here is that, a part of this um, is that even a part of what we're talking about with some of these movies, we mentioned it is that as young men, we are attracted (laughs) to certain things and Mm. we become really aware of, of female sexual, you know, we become aware of, of, and and covetous of certain things. And um, to the point where, you know, we don't necessarily examine them as thoughtfully and deliberately as as we should uh, mm-hmm. when we're when we're that age. Um, so, with something like Revenge of the Nerds, for example, it took me, which also I mean, features them setting up video cameras in the girls' locker room. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But at, at, at that at this point, it's like you know, the thing at the end is so much worse because it becomes then about actual contact and like you know, it took me. As much as I can say, like, well, I'm sensitive to other people and to, and, and to women, and it took me maybe decades from the time I saw that movie to when somebody had to point out that, uh, you know, that that character's really that's rape. I mean, he's he's having it's he's having sex with somebody who who thinks he's a different person. That's like um, that's that's beyond problematic. That's like assault and and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I think I, I just they, saw that same joke in Biodome. The joke was like, let's go get in the beds of these women and just wait for them to come in the bed. And I was like, that's assault. That's, that's, yeah. what, that's, and, and I think what I heard you kind of tiptoeing towards is what, what we don't know that we don't know is the impact that those images and not just seeing the images, but agreeing with the images through laughter has left some algae on the walls of our inner aquariums that we we aren't aware of. And I think you see that in, I don't mean to be shaming people about pornography, but I think you definitely see it in the amount of pornography and the type of pornography um, that we seem to be addicted to is indicative to a psyche that may have been shaped by some of these things. Right. Um, not okay. That 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 is hard to talk about. So to answer your question, one of the things that's been really helpful in helping me find a lot of the peace that I've discovered is um, people know I'm going to say this, but it's Byron Katie's book. It's called Loving What Is, and it's 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 looking at our uninvestigated beliefs in a very simple and practical way. So I wanted to recommend that to you. Oh yeah, Pete. Wait, wait, wait. say it again. It's called Loving What Is. It's okay. a, it's a, it's a book. Uh, because I want a little bit of what you're... That is the best one I can give you because it, even thoughts like, I need people to like um, my performance in that play is a great one to do what she calls inquiry on. And you just sit with it and you investigate it. 
And at the end of it, you feel like you put down two suitcases filled with cinder blocks. It's, it's oh, isn't that great. Yeah, it's, it's great stuff. Great. You know what's changed? I've noticed little microaggressions that I used to lean into. I, I, this, this TED Talk has changed um, my life in, in everyday ways, uh, even mm. just driving around. You know, for someone, it, 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 it's a real... Um, it frustrates me. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge source of frustration when somebody doesn't wait their turn or they throw garbage out of a car or these little like microaggressions against um, that breaking the rules, I guess, just flaunting in, in such a such an aggressive way to me. Mm-hmm. It really winds me up. And I, I, I've gone so far as to like pick up trash in front of people and deliberately throw it out or I'll, or I'll you know, whatever it is, is beeping at them. And I think the thing that I've, I'm still working on it, but that has really helped me is, um, is taking some time with it, sitting with the frustration That's why it. Am I, and analyzing it and like doing it by myself. Why am I, fr- why am I so angry? Why did that anger me? What are those people going through? Um, Justin, you're already doing it. That's exactly what it is. So you say people should follow the rules and you go, is that true? And you go, yeah, that's true. And then you go, can you, add, or, or here's a better one. That guy shouldn't have littered. Right. And you go, is that true? And you go, yeah, it's true. The second question is, do you absolutely know that's true? And this is where you get sort of interesting because he did litter. So you sort of look at the implications of a word like shouldn't, and you realize that you're arguing with reality, that mm. sometimes people litter. yeah and then you're left with okay now what now what what do you do with that it's 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 powerful stuff even like when you go like my mom i'm making this up but my mom shouldn't ask for so many photos of my daughter like it it, it bothers me that she's always it doesn't by the way mom Uh, yeah but uh she shouldn't and then it's like well she is and often the work leads to like grandmothers ask for photos of their daughter welcome to earth or sometimes people who um you can't know what they're going through that's for sure that's liberating but sometimes people litter and welcome to earth it's like and sometimes people are insensitive welcome to earth but it's it's bringing the control to the only thing you have control over which is how you react i think you're gonna i think you're gonna uh, love it yeah i so far i mean just with it for a little and and it and it feels um you know, it, it, you start seeing people in, in a different light, or I have anyway. I've started to, um, to to see them more as products of when they do, if they do do something uh, that I find offensive or frustrating or whatever it is, I, I have to examine why. But then I, I also start thinking about that person and where, and I see them as a, as a, as, as a collection of, of pain, as, as something right. they're and that's right that they're they're struggling with and well he screamed at me i know that it was my turn to go and this guy screamed at me when i beeped at him uh because he it's got god knows what he's going through in his life but i know and you don't you don't even know that he's mad at you because part of the work is to go how many times have you yelled or been frustrated with somebody and it has nothing to do with them, you know, but this is the liberation that comes from the work is you go like, Oh my God, I was 
blindly believing that that man screamed at me. He hates me. He thinks I'm an idiot. When really, you know, the complicated world that we live in leads us yelling at inanimate objects because we're mad at ourselves. <laughs> yeah, have you ever had this experience where you go up to so you you cut somebody off or you do something wrong and they beat fuck you and they fuck and you you stop at the same light as them. You catch yeah, up. Yeah. I, I, this is one of my favorite things in life is to then roll down the window. And while they're going, you fucking are like glaring at you, whatever. Just go. I am so sorry. Yeah, I'm so sorry I did that. That was totally my fault. Yeah, why not? That's uh, that's what I don't understand. I'm so glad you brought that up. What I don't understand is some of the physical fights that I've seen on the streets of LA, uh-huh. road rage that I've seen that just won't stop. I'm like, where's the Mr. Rogers? Mr. Rogers was always like, I can stop when I want to. I can stop when I wish. I understand the adrenaline cocktail. I've yelled, fuck you. I've blown my horn. I've glared. I've, who knows? I've, I've had road rage. You know what I'm saying? But what I don't understand necessarily, I can, but I don't fully understand is keeping the coal hot, blowing on the coal for 10, well, in 20 minutes, so you can stay mad, mad enough to follow them for three blocks, get yeah. out of your car. Are, like You have to keep reliving it to rem- remember why you're still mad so you can fight. And I'm like, that's some, that's some heavy stuff you're going through. Yeah, it's testosterone, I think. I mean, I know women do it too, but I think... Um, I I I've seen, I know what you're talking about those fights where it's like come on this is it starts to become comical at a certain point when they're just like dancing around each well, other. Well, that's the whole. Uh, I'll, I'm going to fight you today at three. So yeah. you're you're mad now and you're going to schedule a, yeah. a brawl. I what whenever that would happen in high school, I would always I was I was already the host of this podcast. I would try and find Ivan. It was Ivan who was going to fight Trevor. And I'd just try and talk to each of them to see if I could defuse it. Because what the what the fuck are you doing? Are you telling me before are you going to jump up and down and think about how much you hate him like a boxer? How about (laughs) no one gets punched in the face? You realize that the offense is only perceived. The story is bullshit. It's all gone. And you start doing something positive. I know. I know this is sounding very kumbaya. But I'm not really in touch with the part. I can't even really. I'm not into like UFC and stuff. Because I'm like, no one needs to get punched in the face. And so- um, I know. I know. God, we're- this is just highlighting how different we are from Bill. I know. Uh, yeah. I can hear him being like, you got to have the clean cold justice. There's no ambiguity. You don't knock him the fuck out. But 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 see, Bill also I think is um you know that Bill's like a wonderful father and and husband and and a sweetie, a a a secret sweetie. Yeah, he is. I don't even think it's a secret. I think people know he's a sweetie because that's the Rickles wink. That's the Vince wink. Bill's got it. Bill's got it. I think that's why Bill and Vince have gravitated toward, toward each other. They both they have an understanding of that. They can say something kind of, um, yeah, acerbic, you know, and, and, yeah. and, and, and it comes from a place of either, either love or, or, um, real intellect, a, a real, like, uh, understanding of the world. And yeah, 
And there's also just something beautiful about not taking anything too seriously. I think that's one of the, maybe that's my UFC punch in the face of comedy is I'm like, even though comedy can seem rough on the edges at times, it's reminding us not to take anything seriously. And no matter what's being discussed at that moment, you are just watching a show and you're laughing and everything's okay. Yeah. Something beautiful there. Yeah. I hope. Yeah, I, I I I can't wait to go to a show again. You're making me really miss um, miss stand up. You're really I know. so I, I I just I'm like thinking about all the great shows I've seen now and all the joy that's brought um, and how we're deprived of that now. It's it's you know yeah. listening to like self serious podcasts like this. <laughs> well, we can be silly billies too. We've been silly plenty. I've been I sure just, can. No, this is. I love. I'm kidding, Pete. I'm I'm deflecting because I'm I'm really so enjoying this. <laughs> Good. Well, I don't want to take too much more of your day, and my baby's going to go down in about 15 yeah. minutes, so I got to get out of here. But tell me a little bit about um, your your beliefs in in God, religion, anything that you want to tell me that you've learned something that you hold to this day that is helpful to you. Is there anything from your Catholic upbringing that you maintain? So funny, Pete, it's funny that you said it because um, I have a series of questions at the end uh, where it's like uniform questions. Like most of them really silly. Like who's your favorite Muppet? Which golden girl do you identify with? Things like that. And um, my, I, it's fun and, and, and it's, a, it's a way to, you know, people obviously, uh, I've one which just, who, what's your favorite movie? And people get very upset about that. Like, how am I supposed to pick just one? Which I think is revealing about, says something about somebody, the way they respond to just the question. But um, sure, sure. My, my, my brother always makes fun of me because the last question is in this lightning round is uh, what do you want your legacy to be? What do you want your, uh, mm. how do you, uh, how do you want to be remembered after you've left the, you know, it's something really like heavy duty and, uh, and potentially profound and, and requires a lot of thought. I, I, you just made me think about it when you were like, okay, well, I won't take more of your time. I'll let you go. Uh, what are your feelings? About- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how people feel when I say that. Um, I, I dialed it in though. Usually I say, were you raised religious? Do you think oh, afterlife? And this time I'm just saying for brevity's sake. No. Okay. No, no the, I love it. I, yeah, go I, ahead. I, um, I was raised Catholic, as you pointed out. Um, and my, my parents are still very devout. Uh, although, <laughs> although they've been, they, I know they, they really fear death. I'm tiptoeing. I, I, I just don't want to say anything that they would object to me saying publicly, but um, they, they're afraid of dying. And um, I recently was talking to my brother about this, which is, you know, I struggle with that sometimes. Like if they're, if they are so devout and so earnest in their beliefs, uh, Catholic beliefs, what is that? Isn't the, the, isn't one of the best parts about that just, than mm. relinquishing any fear of the of death because you're like well there's an afterlife there's there's heaven and and um and you'll be you'll be raised from the dead and and all of that and i i would think that that's one of the great benefits of really believe having faith well that and, when Do- when dr drew did this podcast he said i don't believe but i wish i did because i've been with people dying who believe uh, and i've been with people dying who don't believe uh, 
and I'm sorry to be so dark, but he was like the people with a, some sort of belief um, seemed to pass easier in his, in his eyes. Easy. So I hear what you're saying. It's also a great Simpsons joke where Maude Flanders almost died. And she goes, oh, Nettie, I was almost taken up to be with God for eternal paradise. It was terrible. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. oh, so you're 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 you got a sharp uh sharp eye on you well I'm, I, also, I'm even mr rogers i remember in that documentary when he was dying he said do you think i'm a sheep and he means in revelation it talks about separating the sheep and the wolves so even he after that beautiful life of service was just like am i okay am i okay well, getting back to what we were saying earlier i mean this this the people i really admire i mean i uh, I, I think one of the things I admire most about somebody like George Harrison is that he had such a calm about the prospect of death. I mean, he yeah, had great, so- death. great death, great death, oh, great death. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not saying I'm afraid of George Harrison's death. I just, I do want to be there when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like liver pate. I do. I don't want one. But if I'm going to have one, you know, better be good. Um, <laughs> but I, I, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, to, to me, that is like a goal. I, I, and I've encountered other, I've heard from other people in life who have a, such a strong idea of their own mortality and such a, are, are, are so comfortable with it. And, um, I just wish, I, I, I guess I'd be like Dr. Drew. I wish, I wish I did have that. I, I, um, I wish I could get there some other way because I don't know if it's going to be religion. I, I think I've just been, I think I may have strayed too far away from the idea of mm. a Catholic God and, and a Judeo-Christian belief system that um, I oh, don't good. know if I can get you know, oh, but there's uh, so much for you. You don't need that. You, there's so well, many. I like your, you're in a Buddhist kind of trajectory. And I, I love that with George Harrison as well. So I, I would like to be more content with the idea of, of death and, and, um, and in terms of like the afterlife or whatever that is, I, of course I want it to, I want it to exist. I think that's why I'm so like intrigued by the idea of ghosts yeah, you know, sure. Even, that's what that is. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Even if it's, if it's like, oh, you're 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 stuck on a stairwell for. It's like, well, <laughs> at least yeah. you can still. I think part of this is too is I've just lived such a charmed. I feel I, I I'm so grateful for the life I've lived. I and this is goes back to like when I'm a little stoned. I'm so enjoying life. Yeah. I'm, I'm, my enjoyment of life is so heightened that the idea of not having it is that much more, you know, yeah. um, scary. Uh, and I just think I've been, I've been so lucky and, and I don't want to stop. Um, I don't want to not have this anymore. Um, so I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, no, I, I hear that. I love that ghost thing. It's like, you may be uh, stuck on a stairwell, but I mean, at least you're still here. You got that gown. That's a lovely <laughs> <Yeah>. gown. <laughs> Those <laughs> chains look quite nice. <laughs> you can technically go through the stairwell. You can yeah. uh, watch people who are now living in your house. It might be a little weird, but um, I bet you're never hungry or tired. You're always just sort of at a perpetual state of moan. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that, that's what the, the first movie my brother and I did. And, you know, to make something like that, uh, you got to really, 
like it, you got to really be into it. And so our, our movie is about uh, that. It's about, well, it's an odd couple comedy, which is something that, you know, I, I, I love. And, um, and it's about a ghost. One of, one of the, a member of the odd couple is a ghost from like the 1870s. And she's very proper. She's like a very proper Southern, you hmm. know, uh, charming lady. And she, and there's a, there's a slacker character played by Melanie Linsky who gets a job at a, at an old like manor, like an antebellum manor and playing that lady who lived in the house. And, and she's, smokes weed and she curses and she farts, you know, she does all the things that a lady is not supposed to do. Quote unquote. Mm. Uh, so they kind of pair up and, and it's, it's a ghost comedy, but, but the ghost thing is kind of incidental, but we just, that's great. What's it called? It's called the lady of the manor. Okay. Edit that out. That sounds great. Where can I'm we see that? Free to show it to you. Yeah. Um, edit, edit all of this yeah, out. Love the idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Justin, you didn't hear the joke, which makes it feel mean. I said edit it out, but I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, that's great. Edit that out. Edit oh, that out. I, by, by the way, Pete, it's funny that you said that and I didn't hear it because I'd so, I, I know how you're, I, we're, we're cut from a very similar cloth. I, I, that would drive me nuts. Yeah. That would yeah. make me feel so gross right away if I said something like snarky. Like fake mean, oh. fake mean. Yeah, that's funny. We're ba- I needed you to see my Vince Vaughn wing. Yes, yes, yes. I think one one thought that you gave me before we wrap up here is like, even I, I grew up in the Christian tradition and you'd think that therefore I would have a low death anxiety. Yeah. One of the things I find interesting about all spiritual traditions, not just Christianity, but there's always a risk of actually using your faith to bypass your need to do work on death. And, and, I think that that can be dangerous. So you go like, I don't have to think about it. I'm going to heaven or I don't have to think about it. But I think regardless of your beliefs, it's the gift we leave unopened. And there's this great line in the Tao where it says, he who finds his way in the morning can gladly go in the evening. But that's what you're on. That's what I hear you saying. I love that. You're, I got to check out Taoism. I got to check. Yeah. Get Stephen Mitchell's uh, Stephen Mitchell's translation of the book of uh, of the Tao Te Ching. You'll love it. I'm not just saying. I'm not saying it'll be something that you'll like slog through and force. I mean, you'll actually enjoy it. But like doing the work and being a religious person, I've I've figured out for myself is is very different. Even if you belong to a group that has a collective belief about the afterlife. You, there, no one can take the test for you, and the right. test is life, and and the assignments are dealing with your fear, doing some study, doing some introspection, having some conversations, consuming some art, facing your demons, coming to peace, and ultimately surrendering. Stephen Mitchell, speaking of, has a great line. He's like, "When we trust God, we can trust death." But learning to trust God and trusting reality takes a lot of practice. Oh God, that's beautiful. I love the idea of surrendering. That's what it is, man. It's not, it's really not knowing it's, it's learning to unknow things. We need to forget some of the, some of the weird things we learn to survive in this world. But I, I I hear so much good in you. I hear so much. I'm like, you're, you're already there. I just don't think. uh, Well, Pete, that's, that's an interest. I want to linger on that for a while. I want to think about that word. Um, when I think about death, because I think it's useful. I think uh, one of my 
a, a large component of, of my fear of death is the idea of um, fighting it, you know, is yeah, resisting. You know, like, it go, you know, that scene in Saving Private Ryan, it's so indelible to me when Adam Goldberg is, is getting, is killed by the. Oh yeah. Oh, and he's just slow. He's like, and he shushes him like a baby. Uh, you, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. That disturbed you. Yeah. That's the most disturbing thing I think I've ever seen in a movie that my history teacher made me watch. Uh, what is Why is this part of my psyche? It's, it's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But in a weird way, it speaks to that desire to be, to go quietly into the night is to go gently into the night is to not um, yeah. rage against it. You know, yeah, that, that to me is like I, I and I think about any sort of t- tangential witness I've been to death is um, that's the scariest element to me is people who are like, no, 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 not ready. Well, I think you, you've touched on something, which is it's not necessarily the thing. It's our resistance to the thing. Yeah. And that's what one the of my coming. the what the thing is coming. I mean, the thing is inevitable. Well, that's, that's, I, I'm not just trying to force this in. It's on my mind. That's what drag me to hell is sort of about. It's like yeah. it's, this inevitability. It's also what no country for old men is about. It, it's this inevitable death character. Oh, uh, Pete, I'm so embarrassed to say I have never seen uh, no country for old men. Well, you've seen raising Arizona. I've seen raising Arizona. Yeah. Same thing. It's the same uh, movie. One's just a comedy uh, it's not the it's not the same movie, but the Coen Brothers love a, uh, an unstoppable death character. But uh, these, these are the, you're right; those images, even that uncomfortable Saving Private Ryan, that's my teacher to sort of look at. And I really think loving what is uh, and doing the work. I think you're gonna email I, me or text me if you love it because I think you're gonna love it. I'm going to and, and, and Pete, will you send me your? I just want to make sure I have your number because I also want to send you this. Uh, this funny screenshot of you frozen. Um, and I, I, I am going to read this because I, 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 I like you. I, I'm, you know, I, I trust your, uh, your, your input. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Well, this is our final question on this podcast. And then I hope you're still on. I'd love to come on yours. Uh, oh, I yeah, want, yeah. I want to answer those speed round yeah, questions. You said, Pete, you told Michelle that um, at the end of yours, you're, you're, uh, you're burned out. Yeah, I, I just want to do it on another day. No, no, no. But but I I, I so appreciated that because um, oh I see I feel the same way at the end of these things. Uh, oh yeah, it's not right. I think you just got in the dryer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just cover yourself with blankets? No, no, no. Is it weird? Is it bad? It did just for a second. Oh, oh weird. Uh, no, anyway, I, I I feel the same way about uh, feeling yeah. burned out, and like I never know how to say that. And you were just like, "Yeah, I, I, let's reschedule it." I, I feel burned out. Oh, that's that's sweet of you to say because we coming from the people pleaser tradition, it took me a lot of uh, work to get oh, to bet. the place uh, where I can just be like, "Let's do it another day." Um, okay. th- this is the last question. Can you remember the the time you laughed the hardest in your life, or one of them? Oh my God, you know, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I, well, I remember one, I remember one, I, I'm, I'm pausing because I was just re-listening, Jake Johnson was just on the, um, on, on my podcast and I was re-listening, I was listening to that audio and 
uh, I was reminded of some of Jake's stories about shooting that show New Girl with those guys. I, I um, mm. where I would try so hard to like, <laughs> I, I would ad lib stuff that was never going to be used, and it was like not. It, it was pretty selfish actually because you know, <laughs> Zoe. Deschanel and, and 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 I a scene like a an innocuous scene where I just go to pick her up, let's say, and are you ready to go on the date or whatever? And and um, the guys would be in the background, you know, Max Greenfield and Jake and Lamorne, and um, <laughs> and Zoe started doing a thing where she wouldn't open the door that wide because she <laughs> she knew that I would like uh, after I said my line to her, like, are you ready for the thing? I I as quickly as I could like try to connect with them in the background and they're in the <laughs> background and I'm going like, Hey, what's up Winston? You know, trying to like do bits with them <laughs> and, and, uh, and just nothing, ruin everything. I just wasn't going to be used. And like, if I'd been more aware of like the edit and like, but I was coming in as like a guest star. I knew that they, I wanted to like justify my being myself being there, you know, yeah, and you want to give them a good time. Yeah. And like, and and selfishly, I mean, I don't want to make it sound altruistic. Totally, I selfishly, I just loved having doing bits with those guys. Was, they were so funny, and we would like laugh. And I just remember um, laughing so hard because Jake. <laughs> I just remember I can see right now. I can see Jake and Max and Lamorne's face while Zoe was trying to keep the door closed a little more, and I'd find excuses to open it, like, "Oh, what is what is this frame made out of?" You know, and. <laughs> open a little bit and like try not to laugh in the background that to me is like some of the hardest i uh, it's it's like not being able to laugh it's like farting in church you know and like that stuff to me yeah. is the best memories but i i have one distinct one where my our my older brother his name's damien he um he can be a little like <laughs> i hate saying he can be a little spazzy um, mm-hmm. he can get a little spat and, and he can be a little, um, you know, he was our older brother. So he, uh, he, 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 he was the authority figure for us. He, he, he um, and, and, uh, sometimes he relished it a little bit. And, um, <laughs> and I remember once I remember him cl- climbing this, he came up the stairs and I, and I, I used to like to surprise him because he had really over the top reactions. I mean, they were earnest reactions, but he had, such a, he had such spazzy movements occasionally that he would, I know, is spazzy a bad word to use, spastic? I think the etymology, uh, spastic is bad, but I, I, I was, because I'm, I'm guarding you as my guest. I'm okay. like, I think spazzy, right. now that we've talked about it, it's not oh, great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but I, I have this one distinct memory of scaring Damien and he, he had this reaction and it's not a great story to tell on a podcast because it's so much of it was visual where he's like, uh, he, he was, he was so thrown by it that he started recoiling like a cartoon <laughs> character. And he was like, Aah! and he like, was kind of, cl- it was mean. It's mean to laugh about, but as he was reacting, he was so over the top, his reaction was so big that as he, he was still reacting when I immediately started apologizing, because oh. I realized, and he almost fell back down the stairs. That was the other thing. I had to reach out for him. I had to like grab him to keep oh. him like going back. I'm picturing like a Nosferatu guy getting yeah. like going into the sunlight. Like, oh, oh, oh Pete, great, great visual, great, like. <laughs> 
burning a little bit like steam coming off of wherever. <laughs> totally. totally. It, it, that to me, it, it, it wasn't so much in the moment. It was it, right when I, when everything was safe, I realized he had, it, you know, cause that's obviously wouldn't be funny. Yes. Uh, no, then it's funny in the retelling. That's uh, life. Life is funny in the retelling. And that moment is fan. That's a great answer. Oh God, I'll never forget it. But I, but, but to, to, it's a great question because, um, it's such a, I love leaving such a, a, a conversation that I've enjoyed. I love leaving it on that note because it's, it's my, and it also touches on some of your earlier questions. It's, 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 it's what I would want to remember at the end of my life. Like it, yeah. it, it would comfort me uh, to, to go out thinking about That's a moment right. like that. To me, there's nothing better than, those this is why it's why I miss being on set is because I I miss being with Jake and Lamore and guys like that I I miss laughing with people and yeah. uh, I I think it's why this I, I I always love running into you but like this is like extra special now because um you know we're we're uh, I'm I'm learning to appreciate these things and and, and so much yeah. more than I ever did so I that's great yeah so I'm happy to hear that yeah that's life man. I mean, we get into the darkness of like, oh, when I hug my dad, he feels frail. And then we're also like, remember that time I scared my older brother and he recalled? Oh, my God. And by the way, the reason I'm going to miss my dad so much is because he has accounted for so many funny moments. I mean, like moments with with him where, um, you know, and and I'm really, I I just love that. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I do too, man. This this has been special for me. I really appreciate it. Me too. Me too. Tell me whenever, whenever's good for you next week and, uh, or, or anytime. I don't want no pressure. No, no, I'll, I'll email you and I'll give you my, uh, number. So you can text me the photo and stuff. Um, I love you, buddy. This I'm so, I'm really grateful that you asked me to do this. Yeah. I love you too. Would you, would you please the way that we end and I'm sorry if it feels like I'm wrapping it up. I just know I got to get the baby down. No, no, no. Okay, good. Um, the way we end is we have the guests say the catchphrase, um, and the catchphrase is keep it crispy. So, Justin Long, would you grace us with a keep it crispy? Pete, keep it crispy. <laughs> I hope you got a little of the bubble, because that was sort of like an action. It was like, Justin, your line is Yeah, I felt crispy. good. I felt good. comfortable. Good. Uh, keep it crispy. But then now, see, it's, that's why it's always horrible to have just one line in, in something. There's so much more pressure. Uh, oh, I know. Did I do it right? You nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> wait, wait. Do it. Do, do it as uh, Jiminy Glick. Oh, I, Pete, I want you to do something for me. I want you to keep it crispy. <laughs> crispy cream. Oh, um, crispy. Now, of course, I'm thinking about donuts. <laughs> and I think about the time that I had anal surgery, and I had to sit on a donut for for weeks. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you're very good um, thanks man i'll let you know when it's out and I'll, I'll be in touch thank you so much for doing it and i and i hope one day soon i get to actually see you yeah pal i'm looking forward to it okay take care yeah, thank, be well. thank, you, thank you katie are you just here <laughs> there she is <laughs> thanks katie thank you guys bye-bye so crispy i'm so crispy my ice game make you want to get me